you, you there. You're listening to the 62nd episode of the Fun Filter Podcast, the only podcast on the web that features both Jordan and Sam. I'm Jordan, that's Sam. Hi. And this is what's coming up on today's episode. We reflect on a version of Gladiator 2 that's never going to happen. James Earl Jones' voice will be the voice of Darth Vader forever, even when there's no more James Earl Jones. We discuss this. We discuss Ultra Instinct Shaggy, whatever that is, and a controversy involving multiverses. What is Ezra Miller up to? We kind of review the TV show Primal. We definitely review Dharma, Monster, the Jeffrey Dharma story, featuring Jeffrey Dharma from the hit Netflix TV series Dharma, Monster. We review season Dharma one of Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared. Well. See attached to cheeky little Lexicorner, courtesy of Sam, which is me. Oh, and we wrap things up with a film review. Wait, you want me to tell you what film we review? Nope. Yeah, see, we've talked about this before, I'm sure, on the podcast, but I just introduce it like a human being, mm. and you always have, like, a gimmick or something. You're having a go at me already? I'm not having a go at you. I'm not having a go at you. Is I'm just giving the audience the behind-the-scenes again. Okay. Is that I said, oh, you don't have a gimmick. John's very tired this week. Yeah. <laughs> And it's worked nine days in a row. Nine I'm days in a row. Tired boy. So I said, boy. So I said, yeah. You don't have a gimmick then. That's my, and Jordan. That's all, what I identify as. And Sam. Jordan, all weary. Uh, I don't. I just have to do it like normally. But I can tell when you have a gimmick. I know when you're improvising. And when I didn't you're not. lie to you. I said I was going to keep it brief. You're the one who's dragging this out. No, no, no. You did. You mumbled like, no, no, no I don't. No, 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 no. Don't try and get one over on me. Uh, yeah, it's right. kind of like. <laughs> you sort of like shifty, like no, no, I've no plans, no plans, no plans. But that's probably it's probably not the only podcast that features Jordan and Sam. It's just this, the only one that features this Austin. Jordan and Sam. You didn't qualify that, did you? Okay, well, how would would you have preferred I said this Jordan and this Sam? Well, it would have made it accurate. Or the Jordan and the Sam. I'll take that. Yeah, yeah. Make it definitive. Like, yeah. No, we are the real ones. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But you didn't say that. All so. you other Jordans and Sams out there, you're just pretenders. Well, that goes without saying, doesn't it? But um. No, I think you've embarrassed yourself. <laughs> yeah, I, I really I think, feel embarrassed right now. I think you should have qualified that it was this Jordan and this Sam. Okay. Because that's just, Jordan and Sam are not uncommon names. Yeah. It's like, this is the only podcast in the world featuring Hieronymus and Muammar. Mm. And you go, it probably is. <laughs> probably actually is. Yeah, I don't even need evidence for that. That, that, that no. checks out. But yeah. I, there's probably already like 30 just let's play combos that feature a Jordan and a Sam. No, they don't feature Jordan and Sam. They feature your boy Jeremy. Or your boy J-Dog. Yeah. And Sammy, Sammy your, Spanks. Your boy Soppy X9. Your boy. Your boy. Yeah, they're all boy. <laughs> your boy. They're all boy. They're all women when they were born men and they're all, they're all. They're all that. They're all over the place. Oh, you're doing it this week, are you? Doing what? <laughs> Saying it as it is. <laughs> Should we just start? Yeah, this, before we get in trouble, go. Okay. What's happening? Not a lot. I have... Well, that's actually a nice, a refreshing change of pace. It is, isn't it? I mean, we were discussing your fatigue, mm. and that it's a shame that you weren't like this on the last episode, because you that's when just... we could afford... Yeah. It was so on script. Mm. This one is a bit more spontaneous and freeform, and... Like what a podcast would be. What a podcast would... No, it's, that's, not, that's not fair. No? No. So, but I, I don't think... I'm not belittling the effort you put in last time. Oh, no, no, time. thank you. No, no, it's not that. It's the... This thing or podcasts are meant to be all spontaneous. That's bullshit. 
How many podcasts do you listen to that you actually get the sense that they're spontaneous? Well, good ones. Good ones. Yeah. Why do you listen to bad ones? No, no, no. That, that was sort of my point. Oh. It's the ones that are truly spontaneous. They don't even listen to. Well, they, they're usually not. Like, they can yield, like, good stuff. Yeah. But there's always an element of, like, planning that goes into a podcast. An element. Like, even, like, I kind of like the idea of our podcast just being like, oh, we turn on the microphones for three hours and just see what happens. Two hours. Two hours. Yeah. No, I've been, <laughs> I've been told it's happening this time. Yes. But there's always, like, a level of, like, right, this is the kind of stuff we're going to talk about. Here's what to mm-hmm. expect from me. Here's what I'm expecting from you. Yes. And we have no expectations. No. <laughs> Nor does our audience, I don't think. No. Insofar as there is one. Hmm. Well, the first thing I've got here is, it's not new news, but it's about Gladiator 2. Hang on. Yeah. There is no Gladiator 2. Well, exactly. Sam, I'm too tired. What are you doing? What's happening? It's about the plans for Gladiator 2. So Gladiator They're making Gladiator 2. Well, they have been since the original. They've been trying to make Gladiator 2 since the original, 22 years ago. Okay. So it's been development hell, new script, right? All, all that business. Oh, right, okay. The main thing seems to be the, how do we get Russell Crowe back before he died at the end of Gladiator? Spoiler. Right. okay. Have you not seen Gladiator? No. Yeah, he dies at the end. All right, you just genuinely spoiled Gladiator for me. I mean, you know that, don't you? I mean, no. it's, the, it's that, the, that kind of film with the I know, dies I know. Are you not entertained and murder of a murder of a father of a murdered son? <laughs> yeah. That whole thing. Murder of a father of a son. son. <laughs> <laughs> what does it even mean? Murder of a fathered son would be a son that has a father, like all sons. Yeah. His collection of crows. Okay. That's the murder of a fathered son there. <laughs> <laughs> or would it? Just, or is it like a collection of sons that are fathered? All sons. And are we fathered. are referring to them as a mothered, uh, a, as, a, as a murder. A mothered. Something. This is going so off the rails. <laughs> <I'm> so tired. <laughs> Please, just Gladiator. Get two. back to the plot right. stuff. At the end of Gladiator, he dies. Okay. Okay. If I'm spoiling that for anybody. What have you been doing? Yeah, he, and he goes. To, it's implied that he goes to the Elysian fields. Okay. They, their afterlife. Yeah, yeah. You could read it poetically. The, the original Gladiator is not supernatural or mythological in any respect. Okay. It's Rome, drama, action. But, you know, the characters believe in the gods, but they don't figure into the plot. Okay. So any attempt to revive it... A, Russell Crowe, how are you going to bring him back now for Gladiator? Mm. But they seem to revolve around, well, we'll need to incorporate mythological elements. Mm. Uh, so... One of those efforts has stood out to me. Nick Cave was commissioned to write a new draft of the script. Are you familiar with Nick Cave? No, is he a known person? He's a musician, principally, but he's also a screenwriter. Okay. And, yeah, he wrote one of the many drafts. Uh, it was written under the working title of Christ Killer. <laughs> right. And okay. this is, this is the, the, these are the details we have on it. Cave described the plot as, and this is a quote, deities versus deity versus humanity. The premise involved Maximus in purgatory who is resurrected as an immortal eternal warrior for the Roman gods. In the draft, Maximus is sent to Earth and tasked with stopping the momentum of Christianity by killing Jesus Christ and his disciples, as their movement was gradually siphoning off the power and vitality of the ancient pagan gods. During his task mission, Maximus is tricked into murdering his own son. Cursed to live forever, Cave script included Maximus fighting amongst the Crusades, World War II, and the Vietnam War, with the ending revealing that in the modern day time period, the character now works at the Pentagon. <laughs> okay, alright, okay. Do you not want to watch that film? Well, yeah, it started out like, 
you you're reading i was like this is god of war and then it became oh, right. and then it became wolverine <laughs> and then it just became awesome uh, yeah <laughs> what, what? so this is the film they didn't make it's one of the many versions they didn't make okay the script was ultimately Have rejected they and scrapped explained why we were robbed of this no there might be some literature out there that describes it okay i mean my guess would be it's just too weird i know yeah, that's what we want. <laughs> yeah. Well, thing is, Gladiator. It's a. Oh, sorry, it's, it's, that's the thing. Papers. It's definitely not Gladiator Two in that it's a follow-on from Gladiator. Only like, literally. Yeah. Um, like it's the same character and like, that's kind of it, right? The same character, and I assume there would have been callbacks to the first one. Yeah. Like a, a, a thing that is <laughs> holding Jesus's head. Are you not entertained? <laughs> <laughs> one of the I think the dominant strain because they're still trying to make it. They're going to hurry. How old's Russell Crowe now? Well, I don't know if he's going to be in it. The yeah. dominant strain that, that uh, has Did he lasted... Have, through, sorry, I know I'm interrupting. Yeah. Did he have a child? Well, this is what I'm saying. Okay. Dom, through all of the drafts has been... There is a child who is the son... So Joaquin Phoenix is the villain in, in Gladiator. Mm. And he has like an incestuous thing for his sister. Okay. And she has a son. Right. Um, And it's sort of implied... That Maximus is the father. Okay. I don't know if it is in the actual film, but that's what they were going to run with. Okay. Is that he's the father. But that actor is still an actor. The child actor. All right. So I think he's the only one that's... He's going to be in Gladiator 2. Okay. And it's probably going to revolve around him. But um, Gladiator, you know, it was a big crowd-pleasing, Oscar-winning epic. And I think that would have just been... You've taken it into like B movie territory. Yeah, it's but, gone weird all of a sudden. But have you see? Have you heard what it's about? Then again, then again, I will say we recently watched what was it called? Bubba Hotep. Bubba Hotep. Yeah. Yeah. One of like the the most like yeah I'm watching that premises I've yeah. heard in a while. Yeah. It was like was it Elvis Presley? It was Elvis Presley. <laughs> it was yeah. It was Elvis. That's the thing you should remember. Yeah. Um, it was Elvis Presley in a retirement home. Yeah. Old and kind of just ailing. Like after his death. His apparent, As it, death. His apparent yes. death, yeah. Uh, yeah, he didn't really die. He faked his own death. Like a, a copycat took over. Yeah. Because he just wanted to retire from show business. Yeah. And the copycat died. So he's been alive this whole time, living in a nursing home. And no one believes he's the real Elvis. No one believes him. Uh, and the, his friend there is an old black guy who says that he is John F. Kennedy. Yeah. Yeah. The, the John, John F. Kennedy. Kennedy. Yeah. And then in the meantime, an ancient Egyptian curse mm. is let loose in the retirement home and the two of them must fight it. Yeah. That's the that's basically the like, premise. I, I want to watch it again based on the t- like the description you've given of it. Yeah. But it doesn't quite live up to that, does no, it? No, it doesn't. No. It doesn't. Um, There's a lot of Elvis just kind of like lying in bed lamenting. A lot of it. Yeah. That's basically most of the film is him lying in bed just kind of monologuing about what yeah. could have been. And it's, again, that sounds like it could be funny, but it... Especially abs- since it's Bruce Campbell as well. It's Bruce Campbell playing Elvis. Yeah. The absurdity of the premise, it's difficult, right? Because if they had gone full on wacko with it, yeah. it would have been annoying. Mm. Like, I, I, I really, I'm not a fan of, oh, we know we're an exploitation film. Yeah. Let's go to space. Like, that's, yeah, we get it. Yeah. I'm all for you just take the premise deadly seriously. Yeah. That's kind of what they did, mm. but it doesn't make it funny. No. It it kind of dilutes it. Yeah. And it, it kind of, it denudes it of any, not any humour, there are some laughs, but I think maybe there were one or two points that we actually probably laughed. Mm. And one was a throwaway, he's talking to someone. Oh, yeah. What, what was it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's not, he's not even... Um, it's a reference, like, it's... Um, 
Like he's, he's, he's explaining what's happened to a nurse or to a cop or something. Yeah, someone's been attacked in the nursing home. Yeah, and, and he, like, I, I, this isn't even, I know this isn't correct, yeah. but like, he gives someone something and they thank him for, oh no, they give he, he's him. Talk, I, think he's, I think he's giving a statement to a cop. Yeah. And the cop's like, oh, okay, we're now going to like take you back to your room or whatever. And yeah. he's not, his, his back is to the camera and yeah. he's like, thank you, thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that was the funniest. It's like, oh, you've done, whole... like, that's actually well done. Yeah, yeah but it was but... so flippant. That's yeah. why it was funny. Yeah. Because, um, <laughs> like, oh, yeah, Elvis says that all the time, I guess. Yeah, you and know? I don't know, it couldn't quite find the right tone. Because, yeah. yeah, a lot of it was him lying lamenting. But it was just, it was just that. It was yeah. just, like, an old man lamenting. It's like, I don't really know what I'm meant to be seeing And here. considering that, like, not even necessarily, like, the mummy fighting, of which we barely see the mummy. No. But, like, you think, oh, it's, it's probably going to be, like, a like a buddy comedy yeah. with Elvis and Black JFK. Yes. And then they end up having to fight the mummy. Yeah. And even then, Black JFK's not in it a lot either. Not in it's it a lot. It's not really about their friendship. It's mainly about Elvis. Mainly about Elvis just being an old man. Yeah. All of this to say that a film with a premise as, as wacky and just, like, out there as that mm. can still suck. So yeah, I, I guess I kind of see why it, it never came to fruition. My guess, it was anxieties about the out-there-ness of the premise, for one thing. Yeah. And killing Jesus. I mean, that's the... I mean, I do mean, people care about that? This was a while ago. Mm. I mean, there's still a bit of bit of that. I mean, they're both Antipodean, but Russell Crowe isn't Mel Gibson. Mm. Like, Passion of the Christ got enough of a backlash. Yeah. I don't think people want to see films about someone killing Jesus. It's an idea I love, that mm. whole thing of, oh, modern religion kind of replacing the old gods. Like, that's... Yeah, that's the thing. Like, if you tap into, like, the, the, the thematic implications yeah. of it, there's, you can really do something with that. Well, premise. that's what American Gods is all about, right? The old gods are losing their power because now we worship... I think the idea in American Gods is whatever humans worship becomes personified. Right. So media becomes okay. personification. That's a really cool idea. Yeah. Uh, and that's what American gods that media and, you know, they're now vying for control over America from Odin mm. and Zeus and all that. Great idea. But yeah, I think it was probably just anxieties about, okay, we want to win another Oscar. Um, yeah. Gladiator <laughs> is still the good franchise, guys. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But that, you know, we talk about, I think that often actually absurd premises, the amount of time that we've read a premise from gone right, we need to sit down and watch that right now. Yeah. And it hasn't lived up to it. No. Black Sheep being a good example. Yeah, Black Sheep's another one. Yeah. I think that's like, people do quite like that film, but it was just, it was so poorly made. Yeah. Even and within the parameters of its budget, because it was clearly working to a budget. Yeah. Even within those parameters, it was still not a well-made film. And it didn't, um, it didn't know, it, it didn't know what its strength was, which is, this is a film about killer sheep. Yeah. And so we just want a lot of killer sheep being sinister mm. and then killing the sheep in different creative ways. Well, not even that, just like, sheep. Regular sheep, yeah. That the film is desperately trying to make look sinister in a the really best, crappy, yeah. The best shot in the film, yes, is that like <laughs> shot of the long corridor, yeah, that's like draped in like uh, almost like noir high contrast shadow, and just a sheep walks around the corner, yeah, yeah, yeah. And just says at someone, yeah. it's like that's just the sheep, but the film is trying so hard to play this off as like, yeah, th- there's a memory that's bobbling to the surface. I think we watched around the same time Texas Chainsaw Massacre, oh, yeah. Does something happen about regarding a corridor in that? I feel like when he walks into the house, the mm. first guy, yeah, and he's looking down the corridor, and then Leatherface appears. Yeah, 
Did we? I think we'd recently watched Black Sheep, and I started going, meh. Oh, yeah. And then that sound actually happened. Do you remember that? Yeah. Texas Chainsaw. There's actually a meh. What the fuck? <laughs> Did I just create that moment? Did we yeah. make Texas yeah. Chainsaw Massacre? Yeah. Good film, Texas Chainsaw. Yes. But yeah, that's uh, that's everything about Gladiator 2. Okay. Just like... I just stumbled across it, and I thought it'd be You have to me. share it. Yeah, yeah. I, I get that. I completely yeah. get that. Um, the next bit of news. This is actual news. I don't know if you heard about this. James Earl Jones... I've heard of him, yeah. Have you heard the news? The- He's not dead. Oh, okay. Oh, what else? What other news would there be then for a man of his age? Um, he has signed the rights to the voice of Darth Vader over to an AI company. Oh, you know what? I have heard this. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So I've got the story here from, I think it's Vanity Fair. Okay. Uh, James Earl Jones has ended his career as Darth Vader. He's 91 years old. He's agreed to allow a Ukrainian AI company to replicate his voice for future Star Wars titles. Okay. Make sure they get the Ukrainian in there. Yeah. Well, I mean, sound, okay, so what's it say here? Sound artists at Lucasfilm and the Ukrainian AI speech company Respeecher discussed how Jones's voice was recreated digitally for the recently released Disney series Star Wars Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, though Christensen wore Vader's infamous suit in the series, it was Respeecher that provided his voice during his duels with his former master and the Sith Inquisitor Revis Savando or something. So what do you think about that? Yeah, I was going to bring that up, that yeah. I was aware of the fact that some of the performance in Obi-Wan Kenobi was digitally recreated. Yeah. I think when it came to The Lion King 2019 as well, I don't know if there was AI involved. I think they took takes from the original film and takes that were never used in the original film and kind of splice that into his existing... Right, okay. So, for a while, it seems, we haven't really been hearing James Earl Jones. No. I, I really don't like the implications of this. I feel like I'm... Well, I feel question. like we're saying that, like, every other week about Hollywood now. Well, what, what was that film with, the, like, the dead guy was in? Yeah, was it was it James Dean? I yeah. Think, or they were going to make yeah, a James Dean film? Yeah, they were going to make film? a James yeah. Dean film. And that's what came to my mind as well. What... It's, it's the... Uh, the precedent that it sets. Mm. Also, Peter Cushing as well. They've done this already. Peter Cushing was yeah. in Rogue One. Yeah. What do we feel about? How do we feel about that? Yeah. I mean, it's it's like in the wrong hands. And, you know, this is already in the hands of Disney. Yeah. But like in the wrong hands, this could be a, like, a, frankly, like a terrible thing. <laughs> well, put it in the right hands. Isn't it still a bad thing to do? I mean, what are the, like, what does it mean? It means that, like you can create an actor's voice without them being present. Yeah. So you could, like, on a smaller scale, you could do, like, if somebody's not available a certain day to do retakes mm-hmm. or reshoots, oh, we can just fill in the gaps with this. Mm-hmm. On a much grander scale, you could approach someone who's not even necessarily an actor and just say, or just present them with a form and just go, we would like the rights to your voice, please, Yeah. so that we can put it in this 20-part miniseries that's going to go to onto the Emmys and win a bunch of awards and stuff. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do anything. Yeah. You just want the rights to your voice. Well, it doesn't mean anything if Robert Downey Jr. retires from playing Tony Stark. Because we have deep fake technology that is incredibly yes. persuasive. Okay, yes. Because I know that's the other side of the argument, isn't it? It's like, well, if CGI were to start existing today, mm-hmm. I imagine you could make a lot of the same points. It's like, oh, you could just, like portray things that aren't there and you could just ask a guy like oh can we use your visage to like create this character mm-hmm. but I actually wouldn't if CGI were created today mm. so weirdly enough I've been watching a lot of um, historical like ex- historical archive footage okay so things like um, 
interviews, recorded interviews with slaves, mm. like very, very early recording yeah. technology, and like a guy whose grandfather met Napoleon, and a guy who saw Lincoln getting killed. Right. Because you, you, you think like, okay, 1870s, they'd have technology around 20s, 30. Yeah, there are people they would have talked to. Yeah. So I've been trying to like get into that pit of history. But I've been watching a lot about segregation in the 60s. It was over in the 70s, but people were still kind of talking about yeah. it. Yeah. Interviews on kind of these really major shows like Dick Cavett with James Baldwin talking to out-and-out segregationists mm. that are like, I'm not racist. Like, I have nothing against black people. I just think forced segregation is unconstitutional. Mm. And like an interview with a KKK guy in his full garb. Right. And the interviewers, but there's, there's no degree of objectivity. He's like, you're scum. It's like, <laughs> I don't know. It is 1980. It was 82. Yeah. It's 1982. I don't know why we still have to pot up with the likes of you. And the guy's like, well, right. I guess that's your problem, sir. Um, <laughs> and it's just, uh, and I, I watch it thinking, right, if I was around then, because, right, usually in this day and age, when you argue against things like black-only dorms or whatever. You go, that's segregation. I don't think we should be doing that. Yeah. We, we shouldn't be all like affirmative action now. Like, you just hire the best person for the job. Mm. And I think, were I in the 60s, would I have also thought affirmative action was wrong? Okay. Would I go, no, well, no, now it's okay. But in the 21st century, it's not needed. And it's, it's an impossible question to answer, but it's really interesting to think about. Because mm. even when you're watching like these definite racists, Hmm. And like he's, he's like, listen, segregation is unconstitutional. I don't believe in segregation, but forced mixing hmm. is also unconstitutional. You should let people. And I was thinking, he's not wrong, hmm. but it's the spirit of the thing that I don't agree. Yeah, with. And it, it, it's what he's, fra- you know. Yeah, and it's it's complicated. Well, no, because it's how he's phrasing it that's making it sound convincing, isn't it? It's well, that's the thing. I mean, this guy, you read up on him because I'm just stumbling across these clips. He was like a governor of a state and he refused to serve black people like in his shop. Okay. And he was like, well, it's my right. And mm. it is his right, mm. but it's wrong. Yeah. You know, and that's the thing. So I put myself in the shoes of someone, of myself now, if CGI had just been invented. Mm. And I think I would have similar anxieties. Not as potent as this. Yeah. But I do have a bit of a problem with CGI. I actually do. Mm. I was listening to a film review earlier and uh, it was a 2012 film review, the film 2012. Oh, right. And they were referring to another film reviewer who'd given a glowing review to Terminator Salvation. Because, oh, it's amazing. The bike goes over a helicopter. Yeah, but it's CG. Mm. It's CG. And it's like, that's not impressive anymore. Mm. It's the the reason the Towering Inferno and, you know, model work was impressive. Because there was a craft to it. This is craft visual effects. I'm not downplaying that. Yeah. But a proper, like, tactile craft to it. Mm. Or stuntmen. Or, you know, like the Bond film, the car flips over, like... Okay, it might be a stunt car and a stunt performer, but that's yeah. actually happening. A car's th- going over. Yeah, it. I think like a. It's worth noting that like a big part of visual effects or photorealistic visual yeah. effects is to make it look as real as possible. Yeah, it's not just you know we can do anything with computers, but even like the people that do visual effects realize that there needs to be this level of plausibility to it. Yeah, for it to hold any weight, and even with that. You've got people saying things like that. But it's like, well, yeah, it doesn't mean anything to me. Well, that's the thing. And I don't, I absolutely do not downplay visual effects artists. It's it's a, a craft and an art like anything else in the movie business. But I can't deny that there's something to practical effects that just feels better. It just yeah. does. I think you share that sensibility, right? Oh, yeah. Like someone jumping a bike over a helicopter over a canyon that's actually, exploding. Yeah. 
it's more impressive if that's done for real than if that's done through CGI. Yeah. CGI, it's still impressive, especially if it can look photorealistic. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, you're more immediately wowed by the... Yeah, I mean, isn't the... The one that was actual, like, threat to that person. Stuff happened, yeah. Yeah, there's no threat to CGI. No one's at risk. Yeah, isn't the, you know, the the reason that people love Top Gun Maverick so much is because they did it. You know, Mm. that's... It's really happening. Yeah. In Inception, you know, brilliantly... A brilliant example of integrated visual effects. Yeah. And, you know, the wow moment of that film in the trailer is, you know, the city folding in on itself. Mm. But to me, that's nowhere near as impressive as The Corridor. Yes. N- even knowing, like, not even knowing the difference between the two. Yeah. If you didn't. It just that you could feel it. Yeah. It's tangible. Yeah, they're doing that stunt work. It's the mm. acrobatics of it. It's like, yeah, that looks amazing, but it was done on a computer. And it does rob it of something. Yeah. Of a scale and a magnitude. Are you saying they should have folded a city in on, it, on, it, in on itself I for think, real? I think had Nolan the budget to do it, he would have done it. Yeah, let's, yeah, let's, yeah, absolutely. He would have done that. Let's be honest. Yeah. But yeah, you know, I would have been skeptical about, okay, but let's just use it. Because I, I, there are uses of visual effects I really admire, like Mindhunter. Yeah. You do not even realise they're doing it. No. And it's to augment the authenticity of it. Yeah. But in those in- instances, it's being used as a tool for enhancement rather than a replacement for... Yes. And that kind of brings us back to the audio. This is not an enhancement. This is a replacement. It's a replacement. Yeah. Like, you know, the Dogma Manifesto, you know, Lars von Trier and yeah. Thomas Vinterberg. You know, like you only use natural light, all that sort of stuff. I feel like if I had a film company, a production company, one of the rules would be you a visual effect is a last resort. Yeah. We admire it and respect it, but it is a last resort. Yeah. Know? So I am worried about this. You know, yeah. the, we had that show The Capture recently. Yeah, it was an inflated example about deep fake technology. But you've have you seen any deep fake videos? Mm. They are perfectly persuasive. They are. And but this is this is the thing though, because I've only ever seen it in those contexts. Yeah. I've only ever seen them as like sort of proof-of-concept videos on the internet. Yeah. Which leads me to think, and I don't know, I'm not read up on this, but it leads me to think that deep, deep fake technology isn't quite there yet. Not quite. Not quite. I yeah. mean, look at The Irishman, for example. I know it didn't use deep fake. In fact, deep fake was used after the film came out to demonstrate that the effects could have been done better. Yeah. But again, it was a proof-of-concept video. It, it doesn't... I don't think it's at the stage yet where it can be realistically used on a feature-length film. Right. Whereas I feel like with audio deep faking which is basically what this is mm-hmm. especially with Darth Vader whose voice is already modulated yes it's a lot easier to fake and a lot yeah. cheaper to fake as and well I, and I concede that I also I th- did it, is it specifically Darth Vader he's handed over the rights to yeah okay because I was going to say I don't think it's any coincidence that Mufasa they've announced Mufasa around yeah. the time that James Earl Jones is is auctioning off his voice to AI companies that's interesting I had made that connection is, is it his voice in the new one do we know it's got to be right if it's Mufasa, it's going to be before The Lion King. So it's going to be... Is it canon, though? Is it a prequel to The Lion King? or no, is it's it like just... alternate future where he survives. No, no, I don't mean an alternate future. I mean, is it a prequel to the 1994 film The Lion King? Well, it would. Ha- it couldn't be anything other... Even if it's not like, oh, this leads up to the events of it. Yeah. It's going to take place before it, so we're going to see a lot of the same characters and stuff, I imagine. Is it a prequel to the remake of The Lion King? What, like, oh what? yeah, it's it's like Lion King twenty nineteen canon. If there is right, much okay, of a so it's a prequel to that. Yeah, right. it's not an animated show. It's another one of the whatever the fuck the twenty nineteen one was doing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. It's just yeah, this is small scale, relatively speaking, and I I understand that people wouldn't want anyone else's voice to do mm. Darth Vader, and I admit that usually when someone's recast from an iconic role, it's just doesn't work. Yeah. But suck it up. I, I would always do that before 
oh, we have his voice now as a tool. Yeah, and they're it also... they're all Yeah, it feels wrong, yeah. but also they're removing the barriers for oversaturation. We're already yeah. complaining about there being too much Star Wars. Now they don't even have to get James Earl Jones to do a Darth exactly. Vader show. Exactly. It, it's Disney. Again, I extend that to Marvel. What, what does it mean when a character, an actor announces he's retiring? What does it mean Nothing. for Hulk, for example? Mm-hmm. Though I think he's still portrayed by Mark Ruffalo. Yeah. Hulk is no longer in his human form. No. So as long as they have a CG double of Mark Ruffalo and an AI audio matrix of Mark Ruffalo's voice, they don't even need Mark Ruffalo anymore. Yeah, and there's, especially when people eventually die, Mm. there's just something sinister about, like, a voice from beyond the grave. About having, like, Tony Stark archived, ready for the next big thing. Can we at least agree on that, Hollywood? Give us one here. Like, (laughs) we're bargaining with you. Fine, you can do the Darth Vader. You do whatever deep fake you want, but mm. after the actor dies, you're not allowed to do it anymore. Yeah. Can we at least agree on that? But again, they've already broken that. I know they, they did Peter have. Cushing and the James Dean thing. This is I said to my father the other day. I said within certainly ten, maybe five years, we're going to get a new film starring Humphrey Bogart, mm. James Dean, and then it's going to be actors that never feasibly could have been in a film together. Mm. It's going to be James Dean with Michael B. Jordan, yeah, and you know, fucking what was the first Oscar winner? Oh, the German bloke, him. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, that's what they're going to do because you can. Yeah. Why wouldn't you do a film with Humphrey Bogart and, yeah. you know, all these people? And Lauren Bacall is going to. Lauren Bacall. Is going to tell Michael B. Jordan how brave he is and how. Yes. Like. Can you see. Who's an actor that's like. Has been like. You go back to their films mm. and it's like uncomfortable because, like, oh, this wouldn't fly in modern times. Oh, most. Most films in the 40s and 50s. Can you give me anyone off the top of your head? Well, the Sean Connery thing about he said it was okay to slap your missus every now and again. Oh, right, okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll get a film in five years with Sean Connery where he apologizes yeah. through his character for being Sean Connery. Yeah, the, the, I think one of the, the, the watershed films will be a contemporary actor with a, a golden age of Hollywood actor. Yeah. And it's going to be, oh, you know, if you had those views now or, or something like that. Yeah. And he'll try and bridge that gap with an actor who's been dead for 50 years. Mm. And I don't know if it's the AI thing, right? Sam Harris's anxiety with AI is if it keeps developing as it will, mm. we will get to sentient conscious AI. It's going to happen because yeah. that's why I think if this keeps going, why wouldn't you do a film with Humphrey Bogart in it? Yeah. Why wouldn't you do it? Mm. Remember that advert with Bob Monkhouse? Yeah, uh, so, uh, he literally is by his grave in the advert, isn't he? Yeah. Remember that? I died however many years ago. <laughs> this is fucking creepy. I think Einstein is selling home insurance or something oh, at the moment. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I don't. Um, I was watching a, a video on Lincoln, and it was about the last known photograph of him, mm. like like possibly after he was killed, like yeah. his body. Oh, right, okay. And um, it was like dubious. But what they were doing, they were putting all the known pictures of him throughout the video, mm. and they were using this technology and it was kind of animating his face a little mm, bit. Yeah. So his kind of eyes, do you know what I'm talking about with yeah, the yeah. eyebrows? And I was like, I, I do not like that. Mm. It's like an uncanny valley thing for one. And we don't know, we have no footage of Lincoln mm. and we shouldn't. I mean, I'd be as interested as the next guy yeah. to see Lincoln in the flesh, but that doesn't exist. No. And you shouldn't try and emulate it. Yeah. Yeah. What was that other show? Um, the Alex Garland one. Uh, Devs. Oh, about- right. Developers and they, they created an AI that because it could predict everything that was going to happen to a certainty, mm. a chaos theory and all that. It could go back infinitely through time mm. and, and, and showed you like you could watch Caesar 
you know, being assassinated, like all that kind of thing. Mm. Like they watched the crucifixion yeah. and they watched Sermon on the Mount and all that. And I think, do you ever want to actually see footage of Jesus? Right. Do you, you, you don't, do you? I think, well, there, there, pe- there are people that would. Well, there? there's a part of me that wants to, yeah. but that's like, not a good part. Like, for example, Doctor Who would never have the budget to access any of this technology. No. But can you imagine, like, anyone turning down the idea of doing a Doctor Who episode with Albert Einstein? Exactly. Like an AI recreated Albert Einstein. Yeah. It's like, yeah. oh, this is his voice, this is his visage. Yeah. He's in Doctor Who now. What what might be interesting is, you know, especially with Hulk and the MCU, they've recast that twice. Mm. And when they have the ability to no longer have to recast anybody, yeah. what they're going to do with that, like, okay, yeah. they have to retcon that now and oh, fuck it. They will. They'll they'll put they'll put the original Hulk. They'll incorporate the original Hulk into the canon, which it, we've talked about that before. It kind of should already be. Is. Yeah. Um, You're talking about Ang Lee Hulk. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the Incredible Hulk. Yeah. I don't know with Edward Norton. I don't feel like he'd hand over his voice and his visage. No, no. This is what I'm saying. They, they all put versions of that up, of those films up on Disney Plus with Mark Ruffalo in them. Oh, yeah. No, no. They yeah, will. That's what they'll do. This is a practice they already do with video games. Yeah. Where they just like edit stuff out. Spider Man. There was a Spider-Man game that came out 2019, 2020, whenever it was. Mm-hmm. And then they did a re-release for PC and for the next generation of consoles. Mm-hmm. They completely changed the character model. Yeah. Not to look like Tom Holland. They just made him look younger. Mm. And there was no way to like go back to the original model. It's like, no, no, this is Spider-Man. Right. Like, no, this isn't the Spider-Man that I put. No, no, this is Spider-Man. This is Spider-Man. Yeah, the retconning. Yeah. Just, that's always been my problem with new games. Yeah. Is that they can just change the content. I want to own the thing on the fucking... Yeah. I was talking to someone about that the other day, about having a DVD collection. Mm. And they're like, oh, I suppose it's kind of a nice time capsule. And if it's a, if things ever go off Netflix, you, I was like, it's not even that. It's more like what gets censored. Like, like <laughs> yeah. if things just all of a sudden, my favourite episode of Scrubs or whatever... Mm. It's just not available anymore. Well, that happens. Exactly. Yeah. And now if I have the DVD, mm. it can't be denied that it <laughs> You happened. can't take this away from me. I was listening to Vince Gilligan talk about um, they filmed Breaking Bad on film mm. on Better Call Saul digitally. Okay. It's just because, like, it's it stacked up. It was easier, you know, kind of. And he said, but I miss it. I do. I miss the, the tangibility of film. Mm. I miss the nightmare of it. Like, I just... There's something to it. If we ever made a film and we had it on like 35 millimeter film, yeah. I would just like look at it, just hold it. Exactly. Just hold the film. If it was like, an option, I would 100% choose it yeah. every time. It should be hard. Yeah. It should be a bit hard. It's not do. even that it should be hard. It yeah. just, you shouldn't be able to, like, it shouldn't be this easy to retcon and no. like just do stuff. I also remember my cousin who is now, like, he's like 18, 19. We were talking about going to the video shop, mm. and he balked at what the hell are you talking about. Yeah, he had no concept of it. I mean, he's the fucking thicker shit anyway. But right. it's like, well, you have to go somewhere to get a thing. Yeah, um, and I, I am just lamenting the eventuality. I'm like, oh god, can you imagine we had to shoot on film? Oh, fuck, that was a nightmare, wasn't it? Like that you could get hair in the lens. Oh yeah. no, and now we just it's all on a disc, on a little chip, and you can put it in the computer. Mm. And there's gonna be a point like, oh, remember when death was an obstacle? <laughs> Do you remember when actors died and you couldn't make films? Not even anymore? death. Just like remember when having released something was an obstacle. Yeah. Now we can just keep updating Top Gun Four. Exactly. And just like edit exactly. out certain actors we don't want, and like that's the definitive Top Gun. Yeah. Who's America at war with currently? All right, we'll put their insignias yeah. on the. Uh, yeah. Suddenly, like twenty yeah, years yeah. after the release, it's like, oh, we're fighting Korea all of a sudden. Yeah. I didn't in, know that. Yeah. 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 
Uh, I, I assume we've come to the end of this discussion. Yeah, that's pretty much it. All right. So you have a story you want to tell me? Yes, I do. Uh, are you familiar with multiverses? In in what respect? Well, I know that in you're... In scientific theory, in Marvel, while we talk Yeah, about I know it. that you're, like, begrudgingly familiar with them as a concept in media. Yes, so, and I'm vaguely familiar with the concept in science. Yes. Yes. But neither of those... Well, technically one. The media one, technically. Okay. There's a video game called Warner Brothers Multiverses, or I think it's just called Multiverses. Okay. It's a 2D platform... It's called Multiverses. It's called Multiverses. You don't have to call... There's no plural to a multiverse. Plural's done for you. Okay, so the the gimmick (laughs) is... Universes? Yeah. Sure. Well, let me tell you what the game is, and then you'll see whether the title, like, works. All right. The gimmick is, it's a 2D... I think the term is platform fighter? Mm-hmm. I think there's been enough, like, Smash Brothers-type games where it has its own genre title now. Okay. So rather than Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat, where the camera's, like, close on the two Mm. characters, you're on a single plane... Yes. ...and you have to get the other person's health down to zero to win... Yes. ...in a platform fighter, you're kind of on this floating island, and there are, like, little platforms around you that you can move between. Okay. And the objective is to throw the other person off the stage. And the more damage you inflict on them, the easier it becomes to throw them off the stage. Okay. All right. It's one of those kind of things. Yeah. And the reason it's called multiverses is because the primary gimmick is that you fight in teams of two. Okay. So there's two of you versus two other people. And also, it's Warner Brothers multiverses because all of the fighters are comprised of characters from various Warner Brothers properties. Like, so it's the Space Jam thing. Yes. Iron Giant's in it, Superman's in it, Batman's in it, Bugs Bunny's in it. (sighs) Yeah. Yeah, okay. But it's mul- yeah, multiverses because no, it's the I multiverse it. and also multiverse because there's multiple characters. Yeah, yeah, fighting sure. Okay. I don't know if I actually brought this up on the podcast before because like when it came out, the big thing of note was that Shaggy is in on the roster. Mm. I think he's even one of like the main, like the base characters of the roster. Like the ones that you're expected to start when yeah, you right, first right. play the game. But it's not canon Shaggy. <laughs> okay. It's not canon Shaggy. It's... Ultra Instinct Shaggy. Are you familiar with Ultra Instinct Shaggy? Ultra Instinct Shaggy. Yes. No. Okay. Ultra Instinct Shaggy is a meme. Right. Okay. It's this collective thing that the... No, no, no. Bear with me. I'm hearing. It's it's this collective thing the internet just agreed upon, where all of a sudden they were starting to depict initially just Matthew Lillard, Mm. but then Shaggy as a whole. Okay. They started depicting, depicting him as this, like, ultra powerful deity, basically. Right. And just started saying shit like, we're lucky that Shaggy's only using 1% of his power. If he was using 2% of his power, he'd be able to dissolve all the light from every star in the universe. So it's kind of like a slightly more ironic version of Chuck Norris. Basically, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah it's kind of like the modern, the, the gen, not even Gen Z. What's the one after Gen Z? I, Are we after Gen Z yet now? I, I, I often confuse millennials and Gen Z. I'm not sure. I think Gen, gen Z's Z. came after millennials. I think that's where we are. Okay, so there's nothing after Gen Z. I'm sure there is, but they, they're children. Okay. I, I don't know if they have, yeah. We'll say it's Gen Z. Yeah. It's the Gen Z version of Chuck Norris. Yes, okay. Warner Brothers have used that meme, and that's Shaggy in the game. Yeah. He has his Ultra Instinct form, quote-unquote. Yeah. Which has never existed in any version of Scooby-Doo ever. Yeah. And Warner Brothers didn't come up with, but they've used it in an official fighting I game. I kind of hate this crowdsourced narrative canonization thing like i want to be a professional writer Mm. and by all means that involves heavy duty collaboration all the rest of it yeah but recently was watching interviews by aaron sorkin leaving the west wing Mm. and what people were saying was they said to him look 
you need to be more responsive to the studio if they're going to let you stay on. He was like, no. <laughs> so they want me, this is what they get. Like, yeah. this is the deal. And I kind of like, yeah, this thing of, oh, what do the fans think of the show? Do they like, like, I want them to like it. Mm. That, oh, you should do this for the story. Um, stay in your lane. Like that, that's my thing. Like that's not your, my job is to do, write the thing. Yeah. And then you like it or don't like it. Mm. Don't tell me what to do. <laughs> so that's, I, I, yeah, I hate that. And yeah. it's, it's so transparently pandering to the fan community. Well, it's such a big, I don't know of another thing that's done that. You've got insta- See, smaller versions. I can't have. Yeah, a, you've got like references example. to like fan stuff. We're going to be talking about yeah. Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared. Yes. A little later on. And I think there's a moment in the death episode where the gravestone says David. Okay. And the duck character is like, who's David? Right, right. I don't know who David is. Who the hell is this David? Right. I think David was a fan name for that character for a while. Oh, I see. Okay. So like, yeah. you've got, you got instances like that. Things like that are fine. And sometimes the fan community can help the creators understand their show a little bit more. Mm. Like with Breaking Bad, I don't know if Walter Jr. and Serial was a thing they were that conscious of. Yeah. But then they make a joke about it because everyone was joking about Walter Jr. with Serial. So, yeah, oh, that's, that's all he does is yeah, eat Serial, yeah. That's fine. Yeah. That's fine. No, breakfast, isn't it? Because yeah. he takes his bacon and he's like, yes. no, we're not. <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> Some of the film recently, actually. Uh, RJ Mitty. But anyway, yeah. Um, carry on. So Ultra Instinct, you is. Yeah. 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 You is Shaggy. You is. No, you can't do... It would be UI Shaggy. Yeah, UI that. Shaggy. Yeah. UI Shaggy. UI Shaggy. We all Shaggy. Well, If yeah. I Shaggy and you Shaggy, everybody Shaggy. shaggy. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's just... The, the extent to which they committed to a version of that character that doesn't belong to them. Yeah. Because that's something that I don't see anybody's brought uh, bring up. Is Ultra Instinct Shaggy? I know Shaggy is owned by Warner Brothers, mm. but is Ultra Instinct Shaggy owned by Warner Brothers? Because that wasn't created by them; that was created by the internet. So is that version of him public domain? This is the problem. And did, does that did, mean that anyone could hypothetically do an Ultra Instinct Shaggy thing without the expectation that Warner Brothers is going to DMCA them? Well, you know the Keck Frog. Yes, a guy created that. Yeah, right. He started the cartoons and then it spiraled. Pepe, up. right? Pepe, that's right. Pepe the Frog. Yeah, Kekistan and all that. Yeah. Did anyone... Was there a person, I guess there must have been, who said, right, this is now Ultimate Instinct Shaggy? Or was it like it became a thing through thousands of people contributing to it? It's impossible to know with the internet. And if it's the latter, no one owns it. Yeah. So now Warner Brothers owns it. But does that mean, now that they've put it in an official product of theirs... Retrospective copyright infringement. Yeah. I don't know. It's such a weird, like... This isn't even the thing I wanted to bring No, up. no, yeah, so, but it's but interesting. It, yeah, that's an yeah, interesting yeah. segue. I mean, it does kind of tie in, in a sense, because the other Scooby-Doo character is Velma, mm. and she will be the thing we are talking about mm-hmm. now. She was his, Hispanized recently, wasn't she? She was Hispanized. Velma Villalobos or whatever. <laughs> I don't know if that's actually her name. <laughs> what? what? What is her name? Velma... Winky or something? <laughs> no, you're thinking of Jinkies. Jinkies. What's her name? Velma, Velma Jinkies. Velma Papadumian. <laughs> she, has, she has a surname, right? I'm sure they all have names, yeah. Velma Thurman. Well, Scooby-Doo is Scooby-Doobit, isn't he? Yeah. More Shaggy? Shaggy isn't even Shaggy. Rogers. It's something Rogers. Norville. Norville Rogers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Fred, Daphne and Velma, They are. those are their names, but I don't know what their surnames yeah, yeah, yeah. are. Anyway. But they, they would have names. Yeah. Yeah. So, retconning. Mm-hmm. This was the segue. 
Velma, I don't... I haven't played the game. I don't really know how this works mechanically. Mm-hmm. But when you're fighting as Velma, apparently there's a mechanic where you can collect clues during the fight. Okay. And once you've collected enough clues... Well, literally things like dropping down, you think? I really don't okay, know. Okay, you were done. All I know is what I've read. Okay. You collect clues during the fight, and then once you collect enough clues, you have the opportunity to call the police, mm-hmm. and they will arrest the person that you have identified as the suspect. Right. But practically what that means is the police will sort of, like... If the other player doesn't move fast enough, they'll kind of capture the fighter and drive them off stage, guaranteeing that def- they get okay, defeated. Okay. And until now, this was a police car. Mm. All of a sudden, they've done a big update for the game, and without telling anyone, which is very uncommon for a fighting game. Yeah. Fighting games, I think a lot of people understand nowadays that fighting games live and die whether they're on whether they're played like in esports, whether they're played professionally. So a lot of fighting games, they put a lot of effort into fostering their communities and making sure that every change that they make is open and transparent. Mm. Because if you, like, modify a manoeuvre so it's got, like, a slightly bigger hitbox or it takes less frame damage or whatever it is, that might change the viability of that character competitively. Just very quickly, I need to interject this. Okay. Esports, to me, is like Christian science. Okay. It's not, is it? What? <laughs> it's, it's like you can't, science can't be Christian. Okay. And sport can't be fucking on a computer. <laughs> no, they have very strict like regiments they have to stick to. Not physical regiments. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, I, re- I remember seeing a thing and they were like, oh, I've got to eat X amount a day and I've got to like sleep X amount a day. Like any anybody. Yeah, and I've got to wear like. <laughs> I have to get like seven hours of sleep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I haven't got my 10 hours in today. <laughs> I need to hydrate. <laughs> yeah. And they have to, like, you know, take precautions. Like, I have to wear specific shoes and, like, have to wear, <laughs> sit in certain chairs. Uh, George, it, no, it was fucking George, ridiculous. You know I hate all this yeah, shit. Yeah, no, so I know. Carry that's on. why I Yeah, crack it. on, crack on. Um, that's why you mentioned it. Yeah. You and everyone else. <laughs> but, yeah. So, it used to be a police car. They did an update. And without telling anyone, they changed it to the mystery machine. Sure. Doesn't seem like a big change. No. Until you think about the fact. I'm laughing because of the image of it. <laughs> Most of the articles that I've seen accompanying the news of this change mm. is a picture of Velma looking into the, through the window of a police car, holding a wanted poster, right, and pointing at LeBron James. <laughs> okay, so I think that alone. Well, I think our audience are definitely going to obviously see that in the thumbnail, aren't they? Oh, maybe. Yeah. I, I'll see if I can incorporate yeah, yeah. it in somehow. But yeah, all the actual video, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's um, surely that's why they've done it. Like. <sighs> They've started introducing black characters onto the roster now, and as if by magic, the police are gone. Yeah. Yeah. But they haven't... This is the thing. Warner Brothers haven't said that. They've they've released no statement. No. They haven't said whether it's for practical reasons. They haven't said, oh, it's because... Because I think there were memes going around about Velma as well, because, like, you can crawl around on all fours as the character, like she's looking for her glasses, but there's also, like, skimpy outfits you can get for the character, so there's, like, a, ooh, Velma's on the... Okay, all right. But we know that they don't care about memes because Ultra Instinct Shaggy is on the roster. So I yeah. can't imagine that they're doing it for less publicity or for less, like, yeah. uh, meme interaction or whatever you would call it. Yeah. I think, for me, and this is why I'm sort of bringing it up to you, this is a race thing, right? This is the implication of the police, quote-unquote, arresting a black character. Almost certainly, yeah. If, if the, the change was in tandem with the introduction of LeBron James... I think it was around... I don't think it was, like, one-to-one. Yeah. I think it was around the same time, because Black Adam's going on the roster soon as well. Okay. So it's, like, it's before Black Adam even showed up. Knowing nothing about this, mm. 
Almost certainly. Yeah. Yeah, I can't really think of another reason why they would have done that. I mean, the argument would be, oh, it's, it's the mystery machine, you know, it's more... Yeah, it's more appropriate. It's more appropriate for the character. But, that, but like, why would... They're arresting the, yeah, you don't, the they, villain. But they also don't... They don't... They investigate. They don't arrest. Yeah. They hand it over to the police. That's all the point. That's literally it? what she did. Yeah, it's what she does. Yeah. Oh, we've just gone so silly. It, the whole thing has just gone so ridiculous. But it's, I didn't even hear... I wasn't even aware of any, like, complaints about, oh, have you thought of the implication of this? Yeah. Also, what fucking implication? Well, it has no implication. No. It's just the image of black man and police car. If you were able to collect evidence for every character and then get them arrested, but for LeBron James, you could get him arrested straight away mm-hmm. without evidence, yeah. that would be racist. Sure. Funny. Funny. <laughs> Especially if, like, with Batman, it's impossible to get him arrested. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, the rich guy he never gets arrested, but the black guy... Oh, don't remind me of that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that would be actual racism. That would be actual cause to at least modify the manoeuvre, if not, like, change it outright. Yeah. But this is a... <laughs> the image of, like, the, the cinematic of, you know, the setup to the flight when they both walk into the arena. Yeah. And he never gets there because he's always, like, thrown on... <laughs> thrown on the hood of a police car. Yeah. <laughs> like, he comes on bouncing his ball and the police just fucking, like, throw him on... No, the, a sniper bullet. Pierces, <laughs> pierces through the basketball and just deflates. It's like, what the fuck? And he... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, no, almost almost certainly. Yeah. I mean, trying to apply logic to it, though, is just... And, yeah, but, yeah, definitely. Yeah. But I should also say as well, Multiverses is not available on disc. It is a digital-only game, which means that now and forever more... Forever open to manipulation. And that police manoeuvre is gone. You can't roll back yeah, to the original. It's done. Yeah. It's out of the game forever now. We live in very peculiar times, George. Yeah, nothing's... Yeah, nothing is like I spend my definitive anymore, is it? No, I yeah, nothing's real. I spend my cognitive time. Hmm. I unfortunately exist. In <laughs> How much time do you put, do you put aside each day for cognitive time, Sam? Well, all time is cognitive time. <laughs> um, oh, it's cognitive time. <laughs> I I unfortunately exist in twenty twenty two. As do we all. As do we all. And I watch new films and new shows and all that. But cognitively, I'm not here. I am in the noughties, right. possibly 90. All the videos I watch now, it used to be like, oh, a thing, like I get into a nostalgia thing. I now exclusively will watch like interviews from the 90s right. and historical archive footage. And when I do have to watch a new film, even one that I'm vaguely excited about, mm. it's more of a chore. Okay. It's like, oh, now, but now I can go back to my catch up on the 90s films mm. list. It's just a different quality to it. Yeah. And uh, I know it's not healthy to live in the past like that, but it's where I'd rather be. It's just things <laughs> are so strange. Yeah. And I know we don't have experience of much else given our age, but by all, everyone has said, has said it. There's never been like this before. Mm. This is a very weird time. Mm. I, I need to circle back to, though, this might have to be a Sam's Lexa corner. Etymologically, mm. Universe is everything there is. Yeah. Right? So the multiverse is the alternative to the uni- theory of a universe. Well, it's it's literally multiple universes, right? This is the question, though. Can you have multiple universes? There's either one universe, definitionally, yeah. or a multiverse. So but then, does that make a what we would now call a universe yeah. a verse? I was going to ask that. Is the Sam's Lexicon a renaming universe or multiverse? Universe. Okay. Yeah, universe is the theory that there is one existence. Yeah. Multiverse, there are multiple. Mm. 
And yeah, I'm going to have to come up with, well, what's just one in a multiverse? Well, if there is a multiverse, do all of the multiverses put together become like a united verse? All the multiverses? Yeah. Yeah, I suppose it's always going to be a universe, isn't it? Because all of the multiverses put together, even though like, oh, they're each, it's it's like a multiverse is multiple universes. Yes. Once you put all of the multiverses together, that itself becomes a, a singular universe. entity. A universe. Yeah, a universe, yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm if there is another reality, however you want to define it, where there's another version of you and me, there's another Earth, all that. Hmm. If you put our reality and theirs together, that's now the universe. Yeah. Yeah. It's always going to be a universe. So we need to come up with a term for individual okay. realities. So I'll make a note and we'll do it on the next episode. Okay, you get on. Because I have one for this episode. Oh, so. right, Okay. Was that everything you wanted to say about that? Yeah, if yeah. there's nothing else you want to add to it. I don't think there's anything constructive this, I can No, <laughs> this is just a matter of, like, I have to get this out of my system. Oh, no, yeah, it's just... I, I, it's just dumb. It's just fucking dumb. Yeah. It's just... And you know what? No, I'm not going to say it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm actually not going to say it. He should get arrested. <laughs> Who does he think he is bouncing that ball? Maybe there's a reason for the stereotype. So, should we move <laughs> oh, on fuck. to... Should we move on? <laughs> We yeah, fuck it. Uh, and it's, um, so another little news story. Mm-hmm. Ezra Miller. I've heard of him. I think we talked a bit about him on the last episode, didn't we? Oh, just as a kind of like, it's all gone to shit over at Warner Brothers. Yeah. Because all of their uh, all their properties, are, all their films are falling apart. Well, this is a bit more of an expose on what's going on with him. Okay. Their, them, whatever the fuck he is now. Oh, is he one of those? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, so this is from Vanity Fair as well. So I've got the new story here, and I think it's worth us just trawling through it. Okay. And there might be nothing to say other than what is said. Um, so they published a piece chronicling the star's ongoing arrests and recent apology, citing mental health concerns. Miller identifies as non-binary, uses they-them pronouns, has been struggling with various mental health issues for more than two years since the 2019 divorce of their parents and the COVID pandemic. Grow up. How old is Ezra Miller? <laughs> I mean, no, it, it sucks when your parents get divorced, but Jesus Christ, you're a grown man. Mm. Miller's been arrested for disorderly conduct and harassment and then second degree assault and received a felony charge for burglary in August. The perks of being a Wallflower alum also has been at the centre of child endangerment accusations, including allegations of grooming teenagers starting at age 12. Miller issued a public apology... Oh, sorry. <laughs> State- oh, my bad. I, I thought it was all right. <laughs> Stating that they are pursuing treatment. This butchering of the language, I swear <laughs> to God. A source in the new Vanity Fair report claimed that Miller believes themselves... I haven't even picked up on that before. Believes themselves. <laughs> Miller believes themselves. You sound fucking retarded, all right? This whole thing sounds fucking retarded. Believes themselves to be a Christ-like figure fated to wed 18-year-old environmental activist... <laughs> To wed 18-year-old environmental activist Tokata Iron Eyes. Uh, what? Tokata, Native American. Oh, right. Tokata okay. Iron Eyes. Iron Eyes. Whose parents... Yeah, not Iron Eyes. Yeah. Not like Iron Eyes and radiation. <laughs> yeah. Whose pa- parents requested a court... She has cancer. It will be Iron Eyes ra- radiation. Oh, shit. <laughs> whose parents requested a court issued protective order against Miller stating in court documents that the actor met Takata six years ago when they were 12 and Miller was 23. So he's 29. Okay. And this is a quote. Ezra is Jesus. <laughs> and Tokata is an apocalyptic Native American spider goddess. <laughs> <laughs> and, 
and their union is supposed to bring about the apocalypse. Oh, fuck, yeah, get that restraining order in there. Yeah, a source from Miller's compound in Vermont dubbed... Compounds? The, dubbed The Mountain. Oh, this oh, this is full-blown... Yeah, full, full-blown cult. Okay. the outlet. And that's the real, quote-unquote, reason everyone is so opposed to them being together. Right. I don't think it is. I don't think it is. Even if it was? Yeah. It's a good reason. It is a good reason. It's a good, it is reason, a good reason to re- not want this yeah, to that's, happen. Yeah, that's the fair point, actually, yeah. isn't it? Is this fucking madness, but all oh, the real reason is because their the union will bring about the end of days. Well, it will. Sam, that's a good reason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fine, I, yeah, I believe you. Yeah. Sure. Iron Eyes' mother, Jumping Eagle. No. <laughs> Sam, have you written this? <laughs> I know, it sounds like I have. <laughs> Not I, just you I, specifically, it's just like, I don't, this isn't a real I, thing. I, I know that um, that's how they're named. That They are named like yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Jumping Eagle. Not flying. <laughs> <laughs> it's the eagle that can jump, it's like the ugly duckling. Yeah. They say they are some kind of messiah. I love that this guy that's grooming their daughter, they respect his pronouns. Yeah. <laughs> well, s- yeah, they don't want to come across as dickheads. Like. <laughs> they say they are some kind of messiah, and they're going to lead an indigenous revolution. Iron Eyes' parents... That's <laughs> Miller used... This just isn't funny. Violence, intimidation, threat of violence, fear, paranoia, <laughs> delusions... I know. Delusions no, do, and I'll do it again, I promise you. <laughs> to hold sway over a young adolescent Takata, as well as cult-like behaviour... I don't know if I'm pronouncing that her name right, by the way. It's, it's Tokata, but that sounds more Japanese to me. Like Tokata, maybe? I don't know. Okay. Togatar and grooming the teen. Jumping Eagle also accused Miller of influencing Takata's decision to come out as non-binary transgender. See, that still... What is that? What does that mean? Non-binary transgender. So I'm the opposite of the sex I am, mm. but I'm neither. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, the Jumping Eagle can continue. <laughs> oh, here we go. That's trouble for this one. If the flightless bird had more to say... <laughs> Jumping Eagle continued. If somebody pisses off this, <laughs> I'm not going to do the voice. Jumping Eagle continued. <laughs> what a fly! <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> if someone pisses off Ezra, they're transphobic or a transphobic Nazi because we're trying to protect our daughter. I'm going to assume that all Nazis were transphobic. <laughs> probably, I don't think you have yeah. to qualify that. If they have a problem with Jews, yeah. they're probably <laughs> going to have a problem yeah. with someone who's like, oh, I'm the other gender that I was yeah. before. That would baffle a Nazi, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. The bamboozlement of a, a national socialist. Like, <laughs> no, I am the, I am the girl. Okay, just to be safe, we kill you. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> look, um, Mr. Goldman... I know if we brought you into this camp, but if we have bigger problems now, could you please help us bring in the freaks? I don't know what circle you're in in the, the Venn diagram of those we exterminate, but all I know is I don't like what I hear, so I guess you. <laughs> um, if so, yeah, okay, so the mountain has been described as a court harem of mostly young women who are encouraged to leave their cell phones at Miller's altar, which also includes toy figures of the Flash character. Jesus Christ. Another source added that Miller's compound is, quote, actually a patriarchal dictatorship, where it can't be patriarchal. No. He's not a man. Oh. What does that make it then? It can't be matriarchal either. It's... Non... It's... Non-biriarchal? It's an archal dictatorship. (laughs) 
where Ezra controls all the sex as the man. You can't say that. And plays the women against each other, screams at them, belittles them in front of the others. Miller is said to verbally and emotionally abuse their cohorts and refers to themselves as Jesus and the devil. All right. The actor apparently can often be found claiming that the Flash is the one who brings the multiverses together just like Jesus. <laughs> I think he's misread the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> Don't think Jesus brings the multiverse. I think he's mis- misunderstood the film he was in as well. I think so. He talk about the metaverse and the medicine and how they're the Messiah. He talk uh, about the metaverse. He'd. He'd, oh, he'd, sorry. He'd talk about the metaverse and the medicine and how they're the Messiah and what his work is here. That's not even... <laughs> that's not even uh, uh, obeying the laws of your own nonsense. <laughs> they're the Messiah and yeah. what his work is. Yeah. They say their spiritual practice is to be among the people, which means party. Right. So when in Iceland, he was out nonstop. His favourite were raves where he'd go on benders for two or three days at a time. Miller was filmed choking a woman in Iceland with new details of Miller's spiritual advisor, Jasper Youngbear. <laughs> no. And she genuinely... No. I, haven't re- I haven't read this in depth to this extent. Okay. I just saw the kind of story it was and go, this is going to be fun. Right. Jasper Youngbear emerging as an encouraging and enabling figure. Jasper was telling Ezra that he wasn't a part of the movement. He was the movement that he was the next messiah and that the Freemasons were sending demons out to kill him. Miller's representative well, noted devil, he is a dear friend to Miller. Yeah, if he's the devil, that's not going to be a problem, right? No, just stop a minute. Yeah, they all work for him, the another, demons. Another dear friend of Miller's includes actress Susan Sarandon. As in, like, an, <laughs> an actual no, dear? Some, no, it's an actual dear. <laughs> According to Miller's, the fact that needs qualifying. Yeah. According to Miller's representative, a total bullshit account from a source, as Miller's rep defended, is that Miller was demanding that Susan Sarandon come pay tribute to his altar because he didn't invite Ezra to a dinner party. (laughs) (laughs) Miller's spokesperson... The Lord has spoken, you've hurt my feelings. (laughs) Miller's spokesperson... God, can you imagine that person's job? (laughs) That's the hardest one. Miller's spokesperson... Added that Miller's consistent drug use... If you were were given the opportunity, sir... Oh, yeah. I would pay you money. Yeah, you have to say this to in public. be my yeah yeah to to write my public statements yeah. and read them. His consistent drug use is not the issue. Mental health is the issue. No, <laughs> and said the matters leading up to their recent mental health concerns were a combination of complex stress-related issues. Sources continue to claim Miller would coerce at-risk children with visions of grandeur and promises to make them famous. He was telling these kids, you're going to be in my band. He's got a band? Oh, and I'm okay. going to produce your album, and you can run my music studio. Whether they were visual artists, DJs, kids that were in college, or sometimes kids who might have been homeless, he would recruit them in a period of vulnerability and promise them all of these things. Writer-director Stephen Spos- Sposky, who helmed the perks of being a wallflower, told Vanity Fair that while he hasn't spoken to Miller in a decade, he wrote the actor a letter once the reports of arrest were made public. I hope Ezra finds the light that they had shined so brightly back when we shot the movie, he said, mm. because the kid I met was a remarkably magical person. Don't say shit like that. <laughs> and I always like to believe that this person, that person's always in there, and I hope they can find the help that they need. Can we agree on one thing? What's that? No, it's not something they're going to agree on, but like, if someone's gone fucking fully mental, mm. you don't have to respect their pronouns anymore. I mean, I don't think you have to anyway, mm. frankly. Like, one-on-one basis, if they're nice to you, all the rest of it. If it, there's no entitlement, and like, yeah, fine, I'll say you're she or whatever. That's a question. If, but, like, Trump had preferred pronouns, do you think <laughs> they'd do it? They'd oh, some would. It? Some would. Yeah? I think mean, most would assume he was trolling. 
And they would be accurate, wouldn't they? Mm. Been listening to a lot of his interviews with Howard Stern where he talks about how hot his daughter is. <laughs> right. So that's it. I think that speaks for itself, really. Yeah. That's just... What can we possibly add? Yeah. <laughs> when when did this happen? Because last I knew, yeah, he choked a woman in Hawaii and now he's Manson, story... it seems. I think that story was like last week. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. Should we do a review? Okay. <laughs> You've seen a thing that I haven't. Yes. Would you like to hear about it? I would, please. Okay. Tell me. It's called Primal. Mm-hmm. It's a TV show. I, I lie. I've seen the first season and an episode of season two. Oh. An episode. You've robbed me of telling <laughs> I, you about it. I thought you were reviewing season two. I am reviewing season two, but I I, I may as well bring the whole show sure. to people's attention. Go on. So it's an animated show on Adult Swim. Mm-hmm. From the guy who did Samurai Jack, which I think in certain circles is a big deal. I think yeah, Samurai Jack is like fairly well respected. Yeah. And the premise is it's about this Neanderthal man and a T Rex <clears throat> who don't have names in the show, but I think outside the show we know them as Spear and Fang. Right. Fang being the dinosaur, Spear being the, mm-hmm. the man. And in the first episode, they both lose their families to the same like beast. And after defeating it, they kind of end up forming this like hunting partnership Mm -hmm. that over the course of the show it becomes more like a platonic friendship right that they share the big selling point for primal it's not necessarily its premise it's not necessarily its animation which for adult swim is pretty good Mm -hmm. the big selling point for primal is that it's a show with no dialogue yes it's not even really a case of there's no coherent dialogue but a lot of them a lot of instances of like the characters kind of grunting in cadence at each other to imply dialogue yeah a lot of the show is just silent. Mm-hmm. They don't speak. A lot of like the relationship is told just from their actions and their kind of the way they look at each other. Almost. Yes, that's the big selling point of Primal, mm-hmm. and that's what convinced me to watch it. Basically, right. I was like, right, I got to check that out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm kind of bringing it to your attention because I don't, I don't really know what I think of it. Okay, well... It's a weird one, I think. Yeah, like, I, I heard about this a while ago. Mm. Um, I should say, like, this is 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. This has yeah, it's very wide well. critical yeah. claim. My, whatever you want to call it, I wouldn't call it a blind spot necessarily, but my animation's a hard one for me. Mm. Um, that kind of animation. Pixar, yeah, I'll tune in for any Pixar film. But yeah, animation's like a... It really needs to be excellent mm. for me to get on board with Spider-verse. it. Spider-Verse. Spider-Verse, yeah. Yeah. So I knew about this a while ago, saw its reception, like, should I try it? So I didn't bother. I knew it was no dialogue. And then, yeah, you were watching it. So I thought, all right, I'll I'll try the first season, see if it's my cup of tea. Mm. It isn't my cup of tea. No. I don't get its appeal, really, because while it's dialogue-free, and yeah, don't get me wrong, it is, you know, quote-unquote visual storytelling, but it makes up for the, the lack of dialogue and abundance of violence. Yeah. And excessive violence, mm. you know, really over the top, almost like... Um, oh, borderline gratuitous. Oh, know. no, yeah, it is. It is gratuitous, but that's its style. Yeah. So I don't think it's like a, oh, how admirable mm. and ambitious they've done a show without diet. You don't need it. Yeah. It's just kill things and, you know. No, I do agree with yeah. that. I think that, yeah, the first season in particular, because the first season, it's it's episodic. So you've got that first episode where they were kind of introduced and it sets up the premise for the show. You've got the second episode where 
they're still kind of at odds with each other and they don't have each other's best interests in mind. Yeah. And then that gets resolved within the episode. And then basically from series uh, from episode three to the finale of season one, here's the threat. Yes. They fight the threat. Threat has been defeated. Yes. That's every episode. Episode three, it's mammoths. Episode four, it's vampire bats that like serve a spider. Right. Episode five, it's like primordial ape people that mm-hmm. have access to this kind of higher power. Yeah. The threats kind of become more supernatural. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As the first season goes on, but it stays in that like prehistoric setting. Yeah. And then episode 10, going into season two, the show suddenly becomes heavily serialized. Okay. And I think that was probably maybe the creator picking up on the fact that like this is just wheel spinning at the moment. Yes. And yeah, because it was the same premise every episode, it did feel like well, the, the stories we can't we can't really tell any complex stories because they need to be wrapped up within twenty minutes. So right. these stories could easily be achieved mm-hmm. with no dialogue. Yeah. So whereas it's nice that they've committed to that, yeah, I agree with you. It's not a massive achievement that there is no dialogue. And then going into season two, there's kind of no way to talk about season two without spoiling it. Okay. Spoiler alert. Then. Yeah. Spoiler yeah. alert. But yeah, going into season two. It kind of goes all over the place. Like, initially it was just prehistoric, but then all of a sudden we've got Vikings, and then later on in the season there's, like, this whole arc with, like, clearly Egyptian-inspired pharaohs and armies. Mm-hmm. And they're going to all of these different lands, and it's, like, all of these, like, places in history which come, like, way, way after the time of dinosaurs. Yeah. They're now kind of running into these people and interacting with them and fighting them and all sorts of things. Right. So even though it's a more heavily serialized story... They're like clearly try trying to like get as much in there as they can. Yeah, and also there is a lot more vocalizations okay. in place of actual dialogue. Okay, do you think they're ramping up to dialogue? Is that the idea? Well, I yes. think I know which episode you saw in season two. Yeah, right. The episode. The episode. Yeah. There is, like I said, it's it's one big continuous story that does conclude in the finale. But episode five, it's a weird one. So, it's like, strange. It, episode five takes place in, like, the 1800s. Yeah, Dar- Darwinian time. Yeah, yeah. Thousands, yeah <clears throat> Charles Darwin's in it, yes. isn't he? He's, he's, like, the main character in that yes. episode. It's thousands and thousands of years after the story that we're currently watching has been told. And it's halfway through as well. Yeah, the halfway point. None of the characters that are in the story, like, it, this isn't their ancest- like their um, descendants. There's mm-hmm. no connection to it in terms of plot. There's no connection to it in terms of characters. It's just a story about these, like, stuffy rich people in this mansion that have to fight off someone who's escaped from an insane asylum. Mm-hmm. And it's got, like, basically nothing to do with the rest of the show. Only thematically. Yeah, and that's what's weird about yeah. it. Because there is, in fairness, there is, the, like, the first conversation they own this, they also, this episode is full of dialogue. Yeah, it's a complete which, break from form. Which yeah. make, makes it all the more strange, because it's like, well, this isn't primal. This yeah. isn't what I've been watching so far. This yeah. is a dialogue-heavy episode. Yeah, Charles Darwin is talking about his, like, theory of of evolution, and he says that, like, once put under pressure, and once forced into it, we can kind of revert to this primordial... Primal, yeah. Primal state of being. Anyone's capable of reverting to their primitive state. Yes, and they all laugh at him, and then the insane asylum person comes along Mm -hmm. and starts killing them off one by one, and initially they start trying to hide from him, then they start fighting him with guns... Then they start fighting him with swords. Then they start fighting with spears. And by the end of the episode, there's one guy left standing alongside Charles Darwin. And he basically becomes a caveman. Pure animalism. Yeah, yeah pure animal. Yeah. And he defeats him. Yeah. And the episode ends with Charles Darwin basically pointing at the guy and going, I was right! Yeah. And that's the episode. That's the episode. 
I think I get it. Yeah. Like, I think I get, like, oh, we wanted to do... Well, I don't know why they wanted to do it. Because okay. I would argue that Primal, it's not an abstract show, and it's not a no. complex show. I think you get the idea that, like, brutality as a theme and sort of primal animalistic rage as a theme, you mm-hmm. get that without having an entire episode dedicated to that. That is the show. It yes, is- I, I suppose it's the argument that... Okay, right. So I watched season one. Yeah. Then I didn't watch the first four of season two. I just watched that episode. Yeah. Because you said it's a completely... You you know, I don't think I missed anything not watching the four, right? Yeah. But I didn't watch any after it. No. So was there anything in the preceding preceding episodes? Nothing at all. Nothing at all. Okay, right. So that was either just like, oh, fuck it, let's do this one-off episode. You know, Mm. it would be fun. Like if Darwin became like a caveman, that would be fun. Yeah, but he, that's the thing. It's not no, even Darwin. he doesn't. But yeah. Yeah, that you know that kind of set up. Yeah, the argument would be yeah, of course you get in the brutality and the primitive nature of man and all that sort of thing. But it's the fact that that can be accessed now. Okay, right. Like obviously the eighteen hundreds, but you can extrapolate that to yeah any time mm. if the circumstances are correct. We all become the main guy in Primal. Yeah, that's what the show's doing. Okay, so you can't make that point purely in the past. I suppose not. But the question is, is that a point they were trying to make, you know, as like a, just, oh, it'd be fun to make that point. It would mm. be fun to do that kind of episode where we completely break away from the, the form of the show and it, it surprises people. Is it a mission statement of you're going to get more dialogue in future episodes? Mm. So we're going to drop you in the deep end with just yeah Sorkin-esque, you know, um, at the start of the social network. You said there's more grunts, there's more vocalizations. Yeah. So maybe the the trajectory of the show is towards dialogue more and more. Mm. Maybe the whole thing won't be a I silent do, movie. I do wonder yeah. if this is the show kind of admitting that it can't sustain itself in its current form and seeing it and seeing if people ex- like it and accept it. Mm. Or they have a plan to kind of revisit that idea. Like once a season, there's going to be an episode that deals with the themes. In a completely different time period, yeah, or a, a side by side story. I mean, they could go any way with it. Mm. It could just be a way of going right. Let's see if people respond well to this, and instead of just fucking about, mm. we're going to do it's full on dialogue. Okay, it's one hundred percent change. It's mm. not like oh, we'll have one of the cavemen say something. no. We're just going to go full steam ahead. Yeah, and if people like it, then good. It opens things up for us. Mm. And I don't know how well received the episode is. My guess is it's a kind of episode that's going to win the Emmy. Yeah. Because Primal has won the Emmy, I think, once or twice for Best Animated Show. Because hmm. I, I think maybe the first season was split across two different years. I, I don't know. Because I yeah. watched the first season retrospectively. I watched the second season kind of like as a potential candidate for, oh, maybe this will end up in my Best of the Year okay. list. So I followed it on TV, but I don't know about the first season. Okay, because it's been nominated across three different ceremonies. It probably would be from split two up seasons, then, yeah. So I think it's been split. I think, I think the way it works with animation is an episode of an animated show wins, okay, rather than a season. Mm. I think that will win the episode, will win the Emmy. Well, I it's definitely like the the spotlight episode, isn't it? It's it's it's, it's Teddy Perkins. It's, it's Teddy Perkins. Yeah. It's the constant. It's whatever the it's Pine Barrens. Yeah, it's, Pine Barrens. Yeah. Whatever the Black Woman's episode in Haunting of Blind Manor is. Yes, it's the oh okay. It's that episode. Yeah, yeah. The Give Us an Award episode. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Every episode of Atlanta is like that now, to be fair. Oh, right. They're all okay. just, oh, what's this story? And yeah, yeah. You're not a fan of Atlanta, though, Sam. I am fans of, aspect of aspects of Atlanta. Mm. I'm not a fan that Atlanta can, can be danced to. Artistry, 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 white people, man. 
<laughs> um, yeah, so... But no, yeah, who knows? Maybe it was just a complete... They'll never do that ever again. Yeah. They just fancy doing it. Mm. They're pure, like, Louis C.K. style. I want to do that story now, mm. so I'm going to go do that. And props them if that's the case. But yeah. it is a weird decision. It is a very weird decision. I mean, one of the things that I like... Because the reason I brought this up is because I'm conflicted about the show. Right. But one of the things I do genuinely like about the show is you can clearly tell that this is the, the vision, somebody's vision. Yeah, these. This is the result of one person or a group of people working under one person. It's not a product. It's not this particular installment in this cinematic universe. It is one guy wanting to tell a story. Yeah, and that, for better or worse, that story is being told. Because I don't imagine, like, if you're making like a Marvel-style show, you would have an episode where it's like, right, it's set three thousand years after the story, and it's got nothing to do with anything. Unless, like, uh, uh, oh, that character will show up later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless it's something like, we're going to see the partition in this. Unless it's something like that. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I yeah. Always for the better. Even mm. if the show is the worst for it. Always for the better. Yeah. That you just let the visionary do what they want to do. Yeah. I mean, Battle Call Saul, Breaking Bad, they are results of a lot of people working together. It's not like, it doesn't feel like it's, oh, that, that's Vince Gilligan. Mm. Like, he's the, the showrunner. And Peter Gould. Mm. But you don't get the sense of like, oh, this is an uncompromising... Yeah. It's a brilliant story. And Louis C.K. has made the point before of like, like for Louis, he did everything, right? He wrote every episode, directed it, edited yeah. it. And some they, people all say to him, why don't you just bring on another writer like to help you? He's like, yeah. I can't do it. I can't do it because... He said, if you, get, if you have a writer's room, they perfect scripts. Mm. They make them perfect. And that's not what I want. I want idiosyncratic... It could go off the rails. It's weird. Yeah. It's just my thing, what I want to do. Mm. Both obviously have their pluses and negatives. Mm. But um, I, I, w- I would always err on the side of just let the showrunner yeah. do the show they want to do. Yeah. And yeah, obviously no one is Adult Swim. Mm. Said to him, maybe don't do the Darwin episode. Yeah. They were, yeah, all right. Oh, this is clearly like that. this guy's being allowed to do whatever he wants. Yeah. As I say, for better or worse. That kind of brings me to the finale because this is the other thing I wanted to bring okay. up. Okay. Yeah, like I said, season two is heavy, heavily serialized. It's sort of, at the end of season one, Spear meets, like, a woman. Mm-hmm. And then she gets sort of reclaimed by people that she's clearly a slave to. And so season two starts with him and Fang crossing the ocean to go find her. Mm-hmm. Then they find her and liberate her from the Viking stronghold she's been kept in. But then two people who weren't there, because they kill everyone in the compound, basically. Mm-hmm. The two people that weren't there come back, see the devastation... And then they vow to hunt down Spear and Fang. Okay. So they start doing that. Then there's just, like, one Viking left. And he gets, like, beaten to the point of death, basically. And then he makes a deal with a demon Mm. to come back with sort of, like, ultimate power. Right. So that he can defeat Spear. Mm -hmm. And while he's hunting him down, Spear gets kidnapped by these, like, Egyptian people. Right. And he gets, like, basically kept as their, like, fighting slaves. Like, they send them out. Like gladiators. Yeah, Yeah, basically. That they can, like sort of, like, raise the lands for them. Mm-hmm. And then eventually, in the finale, they kind of make it back to... They sort of liberate themselves from the the Egyptian people, and they sort of make it back to the woman, Mira, I think she's called. Okay. They make it back to her homelands. And Spear is sort of given the opportunity to finally live peacefully amongst people. Right. But you can tell throughout the episode that he's, like, not comfortable with it. Mm. It's obviously, like, because there's no dialogue, it's not expressed clearly, but... He's like drawing cave drawings, recounting his journey and his history. Mm. And 
you get the sense, or at least I got the sense, that he kind of, like, misses being, like, this... He's not comfortable in civilization. Yeah, basically. Yeah. And Mira kind of senses that as well. And then eventually the Viking shows up, who's now this basically, like, huge fire demon. Mm. And he, like, fights Spear and Fang. Mm-hmm. Sets Fang on fire. So Spear, like, in a rage, he gets set on fire as well. In a rage, he kind of, like, pushes this guy down a mountain, and they fall down a mountain together. Right. And then the demon just kind of, like, goes away. Okay. Like, because Spear is, like, seriously injured at this point. And at that point, the like, the demon, like, reclaims the Viking. So it's like, oh, I guess that's over now. Right. Then Spear is kind of, like, put in a house. And it's clear that, like, he is going to die. Mm. So Mira is, like, obviously there's, like, this tragic element of, like, oh, my God, what are we going to do? Mm. And she sort of sees all of the paintings on the wall of, like, Spear's lost family and everything. And in that moment, she mounts him, mm. has sex with his charred corpse. Right. And then it cuts ahead to after he's died, where you see their daughter has now kind of taken up the mantle of Spear's, like, right. legacy. She has a spear now. She's right... Because along the way, Fang fell pregnant. She had, like, baby dinosaurs. Okay. So she's now riding one of the baby dinosaurs, like, now fully grown dinosaurs. And it's like, oh, yes, you know, this is, like, the next... Spear is now gone. Mm. This is, like, the next generation. That, like, little sequence mm. where... Spear defeats the fire demon and gets fucked by Mira mm. and their child shows up. Yeah. That's like a minute. Okay. In episode length time. Right. The show has some serious pacing issues. I feel like that's the, that's the one like criticism I can say definitively about the show. Yeah. It, at times it feels like you're just watching the beats of a story rather than the story being told. It's sure. like the whole thing's being abridged for you. Yeah. Like she's in a storyboard. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Which makes it even stranger that they sort of cordoned off an entire episode for this Charles Darwin stuff. Right. Again, I don't feel like if this was being written by committee, as it were, mm. that wouldn't happen. There wouldn't be this whole, quickly. like... Not that quickly, yeah. but not even like, oh, he's, like, dying and his body is, like, charred and he can barely speak and at that moment she, like, writes him. To ensure his legacy. Yeah, it's like a weirdly miscalculated, like, I get the sentiment, mm. Well, she raped them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because yeah. he's just like, because he's kind of like, uh, like he doesn't really know yeah, what's happening. Yeah. But it's not even the moral implication that I have a problem no, with. No. It's just the fact that it's done so quickly. Like, yeah. like it's just getting it out of the way. Well, the question now is, will season three just pick up with the daughter? Well, exactly. Is this just yeah. like a, oh, this will continue on forever. That's and now the- primal season three is something else entirely. Yeah, if it was... Because its main character is dead That's now. the thing. It, it feels... If it's a strange word to use given the type of show it is but disrespectful that you kill off the main character that quickly yeah if that was always the plan like oh yeah and then we're gonna like follow the generations yeah fine that's a bold move mm. especially since, to do it so flippantly yeah especially yeah. since I was convinced they were gonna kill Fang yeah because yeah. Fang has kids so I was yeah. like oh, oh the, yeah she can die now Fang's gonna die and yeah. Spear is going to sort of adopt the kids and they're gonna be like the first generation of like pets basically because they were yeah. raised or under... Be, yeah, or you have multiple of her, like warriors with them. Yeah, right? exactly. Because, yeah. I mean, there are like instances in the show already of humans having tamed animals. Mm. But because these T-Rexes will have been bred, like, or they will have been born and raised under the instruction of a human, Yeah, it's like, oh, this is the first proper generation of, like, animals and humans working in cooperation. Right. And so we've had this kind of, like animalistic rage and sort of chaos in these first two seasons but now going into season three the primal nature of it is being worn away 
Yeah. It's like the show is evolving. The show is civilizing. Yeah, it's yeah. civilizing, yeah. yeah. And then that's kind of what season three would it be about. It would be about civilization trying to can these two worlds properly interact. Um, yeah, no, I get you. Yeah. I get what you're saying. Would you recommend it to people? I think so. This is this is someone's favorite show. Oh yeah, absolutely. Just the, it's got that vibe about it. Mm-hmm. I think like you know the the violence can be enjoyed, but I think just the lack of dialogue in general. There's an atmosphere around that show that it creates that can pull you in. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's clearly like it's telling a story and it knows what it wants to do and it doesn't feel like it's being corrupted in any way for better and for worse. Yeah, not compromised. And I do like that, maybe it's just because, like, when I think of Adult Swim, I think of stuff like Rick and Morty mm-hmm. and just, like, a million shows about characters smoking weed. Mm-hmm. I like that the show is taking itself seriously. Like, it's a bit goofy yeah. just because that, you know, just because of the idea it's doing. Mm-hmm. But it's not glancing over the fourth wall every five minutes to go, oh, look how goofy this is. No. Like, no, the no. violence and the emotional beats, it's going... It's trying to play them completely straight. Yeah, it's a, it's a drama. It's a drama. Yeah, and yeah. I kind of respect that. That he's like, despite the formats that I'm presenting this in, despite the the fact that it's animation mm-hmm. and the fact that it's a T-Rex main character, mm-hmm. this is a drama and we're playing it as a drama. Oh no, when I first heard about the show, I, I thought it was a comedy set in the Neanderthal, mm. you know, like a dark crude sort of. Yeah. Uh, and when I first watched it, I was kind of, where's the snark? Mm. And went, yeah, no, so that that is something to be admired. Yeah. It's just that kind of thing. Like, I don't like anime, you know, like that hyper-violent. Mm. It's, it's not to my taste at all, so. Okay. But for what it is, it's good. Like, like I will admit that. Mm. Is that it? Yeah. Okay. It's a weird one. It's a weird one. Yeah. <laughs> That's my end to it. It's a weird one. I don't know what I think. Okay. So I've seen a show that you haven't, I think. Okay. That's only fair. Yeah. It's a terrible title. Okay. Uh, it's Dharma Monster, the Jeffrey Dharma story. Or Dharma oh, 2 right. Monster, the Jeffrey Dharma story. Okay. Terrible title. Came out of nowhere. Usually with Netflix things, if a new show's coming up, you'll see it like three months in advance at mm. least. This was like a week or two. I was like, oh, okay. Oh, is that something to be concerned about? Well, I thought it was. Yeah. And it didn't have a Wikipedia article either. Oh, right. And when they don't, it's like, oh, right, okay. They're rushing this out. They're rushing it. Yeah. Under the radar. It's, it's all right. Oh, okay. It's okay. So it's a Ryan Murphy show. It's obviously about Jeffrey Dahmer. Mm. It benefits from an underabundance of stylistic quirk. Okay. It's not doing the Murphy he thing. He does love his quirk, Ryan Murphy. He likes his stylistic quirk. Yeah. It's been the bane of many of his productions. Like, American Horror Story Hotel was the end of that show for Oh, me. absolutely. Just, you know, yeah. Evan Peters plays Jeffrey Dahmer. Okay. And he's pretty good. Where's Sarah Paulson? She's not in it. That's shocking. Well, well he was a gay guy... <laughs> that kill there's not really a place for Sarah Paulson but Sarah Paulson is in all the things ever I know especially Ryan Murphy things uh, yeah unless she wasn't Richard Jenkins is in it though oh I like him uh, he's always value for money he plays his dad mm-hmm. he plays a first- I think you literally say that every time you bring up Richard Jenkins what it's Richard Jenkins he's always, always value funny. for money well he is he's one of those actors isn't he he's one of those character actors like he's just gonna be good mm. how many how often do I bring up Richard Jenkins I don't know but like you've done that I that was familiar to me. Oh, really? Okay. That moment of like, yeah, he's always value for money. I'll keep saying it. Yeah, he plays his frustrated, flustered father. Okay. And it, weirdly, it's like a grim stepbrothers. Right. <laughs> Have you seen stepbrothers? Yeah. You know, and that his role is go like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. it, It's that, but for Jeffrey Dahmer. <laughs> right. Um, it's fairly by the numbers. Michael Learned, I think it's pronounced Michael, pops up. It's a woman. She played, remember in Scrubs, Mrs. Welk, the woman who, uh, she's in there for a while and they all like her. And then she's going to leave and she gets that infection. The guy like hands her, he t- accidentally touches her and you see the green 
glow like around her face. Like, she... like possibly. Yeah. Uh, and then she ends up dying. She's in it and she plays his grandmother. And that was must have been like 2004, 2005. And she's old in that. Mm. She's someone I haven't thought about at all, mm. like since Scrubs. Um, but I would have assumed had passed away okay. just because of her age. Mm. And seeing her was weirdly life-affirming. Okay. Because like, oh yeah, her. She was in Scrubs like almost 20 years ago. Okay. And she was old in that. She's still alive. Oh, you know, maybe it's maybe it's okay. <laughs> it's not exactly a novel technique, but it's something that's risen to my consciousness lately. What's with the shuffle times frame presentation thing? Hmm? Shuffled time frames. It's not new. Obviously, Lost did it. Every show is doing it now. Is especially it? Sh- yeah. Especially shows like that. Jumping all over the... like, what, Especially um, true crime shows or, re- or based on real event shows. They, won't, they will not just follow it chronologically. Blackbird didn't do that, did it? No, Blackbird didn't. Hmm. But most of the... A lot of them... Be, oh, this episode will focus on that character over here. Okay. And there's really no chronology. Like, the first episode, which I think is the best one, I think people would think... There's an episode that re- revolves around a deaf character. Okay. People would like that the most. But my favourite was the first one... It's the last guy he tries to kill before he's caught. Okay. And it, it's great. It plays out chronologically in real time. Really good. Uh, sinister, like the the production design in his uh, apartment is great. Mm. But then it kind of, it'll, it'll go back to 10 years before that. Then the next one's he's a kid and then he's not. It's all over the place. Okay. And I thought I, I it would have been nice just to see it play out chronologically. Mm. Yeah, I know what the artistic arguments would be for it. You know, it was like, oh no, we contextualize that bit now by showing this. Yeah. But you just watch it and think, why is this happening in this episode? I don't know why you've put this here. Okay. Um, is there, like, any sense of a building through line? Like, like a sense of... Um, so, in the first episode, he's... It's just before he's caught. Mm. And then the second episode, say, for example, is when he's a kid. Mm. But there's, like, something in that story that wouldn't really make sense to you yeah, until I know you've what you seen what came before. Not really is the thing. Okay. Like, the, halfway through it kind of changes tack. You know, before that, it is it is a bit all over the place. Like, episode one is him being caught. That's fine. Mm. Then the whole show could have been a flashback. Mm. Like, oh, he's caught, and now we build up to him being caught. Yeah. But it, they didn't do that. It was just constantly jumping all over the place. But it's like we become bored of chronological narratives. It's like in the age of uh, truncated attention spans. Yeah. It's like, oh, now we'll just go tell the story here, now over here, here. Dude, just play it out. <laughs> just play the thing out. Uh, yeah, the second half pales a lot in comparison to the first half. Okay. It's when it's, it starts delving into the aftermath and the systemic issues around what he was doing. Oh, right. And it becomes a bit boring. But Richard Jenkins is good throughout. And I didn't know this. I, I mean, I don't know how accurate a uh, portrayal of the father it is. But he's just like a normal guy. I'm like, can't believe this has happened and like I fucked you up and all that sort of thing. Mm. If you're into that kind of thing, I'd recommend it. Okay. But it doesn't break the mold. It is it is exactly what you think it's going to be. So it's not like a general recommendation. No. It's not like a, oh, this might like be a good gateway into this kind of thing. No. If you're a, a white 20-something girl that is into true crime, then yeah, watch. Well, you've already that. watched it. <laughs> I imagine. You've already watched it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but if you haven't, then give it a go. Okay. That's it. All right. Okay. So we now review Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared. Yeah. Okay. Okay. What's it about, John? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, Sam. Do you know what? When you told me about this, because yeah. I was like walking out the door, like the last time I saw you before we were today when we recorded this. Yes. You were like, oh, by the way, they've made the Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared TV show. Watch it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, God, no. <laughs> I, the prospect of watching this like genuinely unsettled me. <laughs> okay. Because I, I, I 
was it like nine years ago, ten years ago? Don't hug me, I'm scared. Twenty eleven. Twenty eleven. Yeah. It sort of came out, and then like subsequent ones since yeah, yeah. then. So I was a bit younger then. I was a bit more easily unsettled by right. these kinds of things, mm-hmm. just like the perversion of like puppets and like childish like stuff. Yeah, yeah. But also just the really like heavy, deep, cosmic, horrible stuff, right. like the idea of time and death, and death, and yes. yeah, all that stuff, kind of having control over you and. In the way that it was depicted in Hug Me, Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared. Mm-hmm. I just thought, God, the idea of, like, living in that for, like, <laughs> three hours or however long the show, like, yeah, runs. two hours, yeah, yeah. Two hours, yeah. But I eventually, was a, I was a big boy. Yes. And I eventually brought myself around to watching it. Yeah. I, I rather enjoyed it. Yeah, it's not, it's not easy to explain Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared, is it? No, it's kind of like... It's like a children's show set up. Yeah, it's, it's sort of like a um, Too Many Cooks. Yeah. Where I don't really know where these guys came from. I think they're their own thing, mm. whoever came up with it. And it's just this thing that existed on YouTube, and it was just like a little, yeah, preschool children's show where it's these three characters that live together that learn about stuff. And they sing songs. And, and they yeah. sing songs, and then they're confronted with something that's like, I'm going to teach you about this thing. Yeah. And then over the course of like the three-minute video or mm. five-minute video, they weren't long, they were like proper shorts. Yes. It just becomes more like fucked up and disturbed, like in the time, an existential, an existential, yeah. like the time when it's it's just them learning how to tell the time, mm-hmm. and then by the end they are like decaying, yeah, because time is moving forward without them. And there's a weird kind of fusion of felt and organic matter, and yeah, it's it's uncanny. Yeah, they're all like felt puppets and felt yeah. environments, and like it's like a built out of like preschool materials. Yes, and then all of a sudden they will have like realistic like gore and meat. Yeah, a lot of that. Yeah. And this is more of that, basically. It's more of that, but yeah. am I right in saying that this is funnier? As in, like, it's, yeah. tr- it's it's leaning more into the comedy. 100%. I think that was probably to its benefit. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, because I think... For a TV show, yeah. Yeah, because it's the 20-minute episodes now. Or yeah. like my, maybe even 25-minute episodes. Like 22, 23. 22, 23-minute yeah. episodes. And I think that the show constantly trying to unsettle you and scare you would be exhausting. Yeah. Even if it was working, you wouldn't want to live in that for too long. Yeah, well, my first note was it initially lacks the disturbing edge. Yeah. That the shorts had. But, but sort of leaning into the dry humour. Yeah. That's like a brilliant like counterbalance. Yeah. I think. I thought it was more... This is more in the early stages. It's more gross out and weird than anything else. Yeah. It's not scary. It's just uh, no, it's yeah, unusual. It's, it's not scary, but there is that sense that I think did exist in the original shorts. Because I haven't gone back to watch them. I'm still kind of <laughs> not comfortable with the idea of going back to watch them. Yeah. But there, there is that sense that, like, at any moment, this could all just, like, fly off the rails. Yeah. There is this kind of instability that's running under yeah, a the entire show. Yeah, I think while it's less concentrated, it does mostly work mm. as a TV show. Yeah. But... I was surprised, actually, at, like, how well-paced the episodes were. Yeah, they are, they, are, they are good. I have a problem with it, but it's not the show itself. Okay. I think the fact that there are songs over the credits and their opening titles and all that, yeah, it loses something there. I'll, I'll explain. Okay, they're really trying to recapture the essence of the YouTube stuff, and they sometimes do. Mm. They do a lot, but it's compromised a bit, I think, by adhering to the expectations of the medium. So, right, you settle in because you settle into its tone and its rhythm, yeah, and it loses some impact as a result of that. Mm. That said, it's undeniably singular. And idiosyncratic. Oh, it's... Yeah, there's nothing else like this. And as compromises go, rather uncompromising. Yeah. And it's funny. And I think... Am I right in thinking there's a possible homage to Texas Chainsaw in episode three? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And that was nice. 
Like, as, as soon that, as it happened, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I should it, have seen this coming. Well, it's that mixed with a razor head, isn't yeah. it? The weird scene from a razor head. Yeah, yeah. Everyone uses Lynch to describe uh, Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared, and I think it fairly so. Yeah. I thought the best episodes were the fourth and the sixth episodes. Oh, interesting. The final episode and the one where... Um, Friendship? The Worm? Yeah, where he's devolving into his mind yeah. more and more. I really like that. That's a really so. good episode. Yeah. I really like the first one. I like the first one as well. Yeah, yeah just Jobs. Because I, I liked as well that when it was kind of talking about Jobs, I was sort of... I think this is just because I have a job now. Like, mm-hmm. I have a nine-to-five nine job. nine-to-five, yeah. And, like, I'll admit that, like, before I got one, I was nervous about the idea of, like, mm-hmm. oh, it'll, it'll take me away from, like, my hobby and my passion and, like, yes. the career that I do eventually want to follow. But I was worried about the show kind of, like, having this kind of smug sort of, oh, it's terrible having a job. Being trapped in, yeah. like, a nine-to-five job, it's horrible. It's disgusting. Like, oh, can you imagine having a nine-to-five? <laughs> like, and it's like, fuck you, I have a nine-to-five. Fuck off. Well, it is. Like, you're... <laughs> no, no, but like... <laughs> no, it is. No, I get what you mean. No, but it's just like, oh, who are you to sit over there criticizing mm. me for putting in a hard day's work? Yeah. Know? And it's not that at all. No, no, it's about how people are exploited. Um, yeah, how people are exploited. And they do make it clear that, like, if you find the right job for you... Yeah. And, well, like, and it's very clear that they have not found the right job for They're talking about Amazon. Oh, absolutely. That's what it is. It's yeah. a critique of Amazon, that yeah. episode. Um, and it feels earned. It doesn't feel completely insincere, no. like when Doctor Who did it. Yeah. No, I liked it. I liked the show. This is, like, my issue with it. Okay. But it's not a big deal. Mm. It's still Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared. So I watched it without commercials, as I imagine you did as well. Yes. Um, but it obviously has them being on Channel 4. Oh, yeah, Channel 4. Yeah. This, it's on yeah. Channel 4, yeah. This was a big surprise to me, because this this doesn't feel like modern Channel 4. It feels like a throwback, yeah. Yeah, this, this, this would have happened in the noughties, and we wouldn't have batted an eye, but it's weird happening. Garth Marenghi era. Like, post-bake-off Channel 4. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think breaking the flow is damaging mm. uh, by going to adverts. Contextualizing the series as a TV series with a time slot and a fixed running time somewhat denudes it of its mystique. Mm. Like, so, when it was just these things popping up on YouTube, they were truly emerging unknown from the void. Yeah, like, where did this come from? Who are these people? Yeah. Um, is, this, is this from something? Like, is this an extract of something greater? Like, yeah. But now, I know it's a show. They have a work schedule. Yeah. On Channel 4. It's not like they've sold out. The no. show is still very, very insular. Yeah. <laughs> like, nothing gets into it. But, the, but it's having a relationship with a broadcaster is necessarily demystifying mm. a bit. And it's not even strictly that it's on TV, because you can still have that experience with late night or early morning television as much as that's still a thing to people. Mm. Like some weird thing on BBC Three after a night out with your takeaway. Yeah, It's the spell is broken when you take a break. I'm not sure how All 4 and Channel 4 work in terms of their scheduling. I know mm. they released every episode at once, mm. but I, so I don't know if it's actually on TV or just on yeah. online. Um, I can't imagine. But there's still adverts online. They would online. expect people to watch this on TV. Well, right? I don't know. I mean, there are still adverts online, right? But if they are on television, mm. it's nice that it's on terrestrial television. It suggests an embracing of the arcane. And like you said, it harkens back to a time where you could discover weird things. Yeah. And I think a staggered, right, a staggered or a rolling schedule, so week to week, mm. probably wouldn't be a financially shrewd approach. Mm. There's a reason they're doing this. But experientially, it would. Yeah. I think airing it once a week, the same time slot, you watch this thing like, what the fuck is this? Is yeah. it on next week? Okay, I need to come back for that. Yeah. And to me, it's another argument against bulk releasing episodes. Yeah. I'm, I'm retroactively disappointed I watched this in one go now. That's the thing. It's, again, it's... Because you're right. You do tune yeah. into it. And so I think that's why, like, I'm aware that it's no coincidence that, like, 
I wouldn't say the first episode is my favourite, but it's one of my favourites. Yeah. And I, I don't think it's any coincidence that it's the first one, and then, like, as it goes on, and you do fall into the rhythm of it, yeah. and you do recognise the structure of it, yeah. and you do sort of know, right, this is the point where it's going to start getting fucked up now. You can kind of predict when it's going to yeah. happen. That doesn't help. And I do, yeah, if it was running week to week, or if you can, like, force yourself to watch it, not in one go. Mm it would have a greater impact. Yeah, and I, I think, like I said, just, it's like, it's a bit of an inside the baseball thing. This is not a consideration, I think, what would occur to most people. Mm. But just the fact it has a context as being a TV series robs it of something. One, I didn't know anything about it. Yeah. How often it would be, the episodes would be released, who made it. Mm. That was really, there was something to that. Yeah. And like I said, it's not a massive deal. It's still the show, but it's it's like it's been appropriated. It's like it was countercultural. And now Channel 4 is appropriate. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's Well, I think that this might be the next frontier now. Weird YouTube things. Yeah, because like we did, ages ago, we did like books. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, you know, based on the best-selling book yes. by blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Then came comic books. Then came video games. We're very much in like the era of video game adaptations. Yeah. Have you seen the trailer for the Last of Us TV show? I have. Yeah. It looks all right. Yeah. I mean, I have no relationship with the game. No. So I'm basically just looking at the Oh, no, it looks a like a, f- a very faithful adaptation yeah, of the yeah, game. Yeah. This stuff where it looks one to one with the game. Yeah. So I imagine they're going to stick close to the source material. I just like that. I've grown weary of that whole yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And maybe YouTubers are next. Well, there's there's something that you've missed there between video games and YouTube that is increasingly common. Go on. Podcasts. There are loads of TV shows based are, on podcasts. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know... Not um, ours. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, Channel 4, if you want to, yeah. you know. But, um, yeah, Midnight Gospel, I know. Midnight Gospel. Well, that's literally using the audio of the podcast. Yeah. Podcasts, like, that tell true crime stories or things like that, where they interview people about Oh, it. okay. All so, right. like, um, you know, Homecoming, mm. the thing Sam Esmail did? Yeah. That's a podcast. Oh, that's okay. a narrative podcast. So, yeah, narrative podcasts or true crime podcasts... A lot have been adapted for television. Okay. So we're in that bubble at the moment. Yeah, yeah maybe YouTube is next. Well, Adult Swim have already done one. They did Smiling Friends earlier right. this year, which I know you weren't a fan of. I wasn't. <laughs> that was... Like, the people behind it were YouTubers. The the Smiling Friends itself is an original creation, mm-hmm. but they've clearly harnessed, like, the... It, it's what those YouTubers are known for. It's that type of humour, and, like, they've brought that to an original setting. Yeah. But it's being sold on like their talent. Yes, we've got. Doesn't help me. I'm scared now. Mm-hmm. I think Oddballs is doing one. Okay, which was like a YouTube animator who has a very distinct art style. Mm-hmm. He did, like I think the stuff he's probably most famous for. He did basically like he just kind of re- like recounted stories of when he worked at Subway. Right, but kind of had animatics over the top of it just okay. to demonstrate it. Okay. I remember watching those videos when they were like a couple of thousand views. Right, and now they're like. Something ridiculous, like 40 million views each. Like, he's really oh, taken off. Yeah, it's it's like mainstream media's picking up on the fact that, like, there's these Joe Rogans out there. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it's like, I've seen people, ASMR people. Now I only watch one one ASM artist, as they're called. Okay. But there was a time when I had, like, four or five that I was watching yeah. and listening to. There was also, there was that and film I, of- Sorry, go on. No, I was going to say, I one of those was on, like, This Morning, doing an interview. Oh, right, okay. Uh, about ASMR. And it yeah. was, oh, right, okay. Yeah. It was like, no, it was ours. <laughs> there, was, there was an element of that, yeah. Yeah, no, there was but, like, a, there was a speedrunner. Um, like, he does sort of like, um, not necessarily speedrunning videos, but he kind of talks about like the history of speedrunning for this mm. specific game or this specific part of this game. And one of the videos he did, he sort of said that like, oh, I was invited on morning television mm. to kind of demonstrate what I did. And it was just him on like a, 
I think he's Finnish. Right. So it was like the Finnish version of This Morning. Right. Where they were like, so tell us about yourself. What do you do for a living? And it's mm. just him playing the game. Right. It's like, right. whoa, whoa. Yeah. Whoa, yeah. no. Also, you have these live events, like even in Cardiff, of YouTubers. I went to that. I went to... Oh, God. No, no. I, I Shut up. I went... <laughs> I was fan. I was a fan of them at the time. God. Ready Player... I wasn't even thinking of that. I was thinking of a, someone, someone else we know that went to one. Okay. No, Ready Player 3, which was the game Grumps and Jacksepticeye, I believe. Okay. My sister's a big fan of Jacksepticeye. Yes. I was a big fan of the Game Grumps at the time, so it was like a no-brainer. Right, right, okay. But yeah, that's happening more and more now. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there was like, there was a YouTuber, Mis- Mystery Guitar Man or something. Okay. He did a film with Mads Mikkelsen a few years ago. Oh, really? Maybe Arctic. What was in it? Mads or- Mikkelsen was in it. No, no, this guy. He directed No, no, he, ma- he wrote and directed it. Oh, Arctic, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. was a YouTuber. Okay. Um, okay. And it wasn't like... I don't think it was the type of stuff that he did on his channel. Mm. It was just like... Oh, now I'm in a position where I can make yeah, a film. Weird, and he just made a film. Yeah, yeah, it's one thing where it's like, we are technically YouTubers. Or like, if we end up doing what we want to do, mm. we were technically YouTubers that went on to have. Mm. Uh, it's more like things that are YouTube properties, like, don't hug me, I'm scared. Yes. Like, oh no, we're just going to take the thing yeah. and put that on TV. I mean, it's nice that they get paid for it, you know? Mm. And yeah, th- that is clearly, I think there's two or three of them that can see, that do that, you know, all yeah. And clearly no one's telling them you need to rein it in. Oh no, they're being allowed um, to do what they want. I, I gotta say, disturbance-wise, mm. I wasn't disturbed all that much. But the final episode where he meets the real person yeah. was creepy. Yes. That, like, you're not even me own son! She goes, like, really northern or something, doesn't <laughs> yeah. she? Yeah, she was fucking terrifying. Yeah. Oh yeah, there's, there's definitely yeah. some stuff in there. Just like the idea of the death episode. Like, I wouldn't say that yeah. I was creeped out by it. But just like when he's in the coffin and the coffin is t- uh, talking to him. Yeah, yeah. And the yeah. duck's like, so what next? And then the coffin's like, oh, you just stay here. <laughs> yeah. It's like, should we talk? It's like, no, no, you just stay here forever now. Yeah. And then it cuts back to the other two puppets and they're like, they they, they turn that blob into the character that's died. Yes. Because they can't cope with the yeah. fact that he's dead. Yeah, yeah. It's just, yeah, there's like, there's some really good stuff in there. I mean, I really, uh, oh, the red guy is my favourite one. Is yeah. it Red Man? Or, but they, I think he's just called Red. Red, okay. Just that where they're trying to fill their schedule. He's like, no, we have nothing in the schedule. I wanted to do nothing today. <laughs> yeah. And he's just the whole time just trying to just sit in a chair and do nothing. <laughs> yeah. And I like, and like that. Again, in the death episode where Duck is like reading the paper, it's like, oh, it says here, I've died. And the red guy's like, you sure? Yeah. Pretty sure out of all of us, I'm the one who should be dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's funny. It's funnier. Yeah. We obviously recommend it. Yes. Uh, watch the YouTube series. I know that it's not exactly like that, no. but it's basically that. Yeah. It's funnier, a bit lighter. Yeah. But yeah, definitely. Hopefully the benefit of this is that it will find an audience that it never originally had. Yeah. Because, I mean, I, I've, I've pointed it out before, Cobra Kai was a YouTube Red original series. Yeah, I was going to Nobody watched it. Yeah. All of a sudden it shows up on Netflix and now it's like a big cultural thing. Now it's Emmy nominated. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, hopefully people Piece will find that it. Show is. Oh, yeah. I've, I've heard, I've yeah. heard that it's not good. But yeah, hopefully people will find "Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared" now through this show. Yeah. But even so, it's not even like oh, the only function of the show is it's like you become aware of the YouTube shorts. Mm-hmm. The show is a good thing in its own right. Yeah, I'm glad we have it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So I got a little Alexa corner. Oh, we're moving on to Alexa corner. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. wonderful. Okay. Samuel, words, phrases, Sam's lexicon. So it was off the back of bulk releasing episodes. There's no word for that. 
Bosnian. There's no term. For, yeah, there's, that's my word. That's okay. my term. There's no term for Is that it. the lexicorner? That's the lexicorner. I'm trying to stay away from theatricality or gilding the lily. Mm. Like lately, I don't have to make up something fantastical just saying what it is. Right. But, so like I said, a staggered or rolling schedule is when you release things on a week-to-week schedule or whatever. Okay. There's no term for uh, right. all there. They call it binge-watching. Yeah. But binge-watching is what we do. Yes. What would they do? So binge-dropping. Okay. Or a binge-drop. Okay. That's it. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that. Yeah. Samuel. Words. Phrases. Sam's lexicon. Finally, should we do a film review? Yeah, let's do another one. Why not? We haven't done any film reviews. Oh, is this the first film review? It's the first film review. Oh, I th- for some reason I thought Dark... No, you did You did make it clear it was a series. Yeah, yeah, it's a mini-series. For some reason I thought it was a, yeah. it was a uh, film. No. Yeah, all right, let's do a film review. Nope. Oh. Yes, you I, I did. tell you, there's, 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 there's mixed messages here, Sam. Do you see what I did, George? Yes. Do you see what I did? There's a film called Nope, and we're going to review that film now. Oh, I see. Yeah. Oh, okay. Aren't you a clever man? No. <laughs> <laughs> nope. <laughs> I'm dumb. <laughs> What's the plot? The plot? The plot of Nope. Of Nope. Yeah. Tell us what it is. What is Nope? It is film. It is? From Jordan Peele. Yep. You know who Jordan Peele is. He's get out and us. Get out and us. Yeah. Get out us. Nope. <laughs> oh, that's got to be intentional, yeah, right? Be. <laughs> I didn't even think of that. Um, yeah, so it's about this like guy who owns a ranch, a horse ranch, mm-hmm. where they train horses to be in films. Yeah. This was owned by his father. His father died in a tragic accident. But even then, this is like a ranch that was passed down through the generations. Uh, And they're struggling. So they're kind of like, they're selling horses off to like this local uh, amusement park. Like a rodeo. Yeah, because business isn't going well with Hollywood because it's like, you know, they're, 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 funny enough, they're moving more towards visual effects and things that are real and shit. So, and there's also like an incident with the horse. So they just end up using a CG horse. So business is not booming. Yes. So to try and like keep themselves afloat, he's selling horses off to this like guy. You never really know what happens to them after they get sold off. Mm-hmm. But then they begin to suspect the people that live on this ranch. Uh, it's Dan- him and his sister. Yeah, Daniel Kaluuya and someone else. Kiki Palmer. Kiki Palmer. Yeah. They begin to suspect that there is a UFO mm-hmm. hanging around their property. And they come to the conclusion that if they can take photographs of this UFO, they can then sell them to the media, make a killing and keep the ranch. Yes. Is that good? Is that good? Yeah, that's good. They, yeah. And then they enlist a local video hardware guy. Well, he kind of weasels his way in. He weasels, he weasels, yeah, he weasels his way in. Yeah. And this film director, this oh, documentary. Oh, yeah, the cinematographer. The cinematographer, yeah. yeah. Yeah, who's kind of obsessed with, like... The perfect shot. Fine, yeah, filming the yeah. perfect shots. Which he achieves. Um, well, yeah, I suppose yeah. he does. I enjoyed it. Okay. That's, again, there's no point. <laughs> Bring it out. Is yeah, no, I, I enjoyed it too. I liked it quite. You did, yeah, yeah. I quite liked it. Mm. So far, it's my second favorite film of the year. Okay, I will admit it's been a quite weak year, but I did enjoy this. Nevertheless, I think the fundamental thing with this film is well, it's it's Spielbergian, okay. right? He's kind of going for that bigger scope. Oh, this is thing. a film. It's a film. It's not a thesis. No, it's not a, like a concept. It's a movie. This is a film. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of different ideas in there. A lot, a mishmash of different ideas, mm. different themes. One of those things is Stephen Yoon plays the owner of the rodeo. Yeah. 
And when he was a kid, he was a child actor mm. on the sitcom. Yeah. And there was an episode... The, I think the whole sitcom revolved around a chimp. Yeah. And... I think, yeah, the chimp was the main character and he lived with the family. And, yeah, yeah. And there was an instant where the chimp lost his shit on set mm. and, like, butchered... Yes. Um, cast members. That's a fucking great opening shot. It's a great opening shot. Yeah. It's a great opening shot. Because you hear it, but you don't see it. You just see the aftermath of, yeah, like... you never see it. You cut off screen, you see him, like, yeah, sitting. You just yeah, see, yeah. kind of, like, the empty studio in ruin with this, like, blood-soaked chimp who's just kind of, like... In a birthday hat, Yeah. In a birthday Yeah, and he's just kind of, like, yeah. nudging the corpse. It's like, what's going on? Yeah. Basically. Yeah. And Stephen Yoon, as a, as a kid, is hiding under a table. Mm. Yeah. And then, and then there's a thing that comes up later. But... They obviously couldn't use a real chimp. Yeah. But God, it would have been nice if they'd used a real chimp. It didn't start to bother me until the chimp gets closer to Stephen Young. Yes. Like, because we're kind of Same looking here. at it from his point of view. Same here. It, that close up on the face of a real chimp would have been fucking terrifying. Yes. Um, that's it. A niggle. But it would have been nice if they'd been able to use a real yeah. chimp. I mean, probably for reasons that the film demonstrates. That they, they yeah, yeah. You probably couldn't actually have a blood-soaked <laughs> chimp or yeah, a blood-facsimile-soaked yeah. chimp. Yeah, yeah. On set. I don't know, though. Like, because a lot of the stuff with the chimp further away does work. Yeah, it does. Especially since he's not that active. And they are, they're already committed to disguising the violence on that set. Mm-hmm. So you don't see him doing anything too gratuitous. But maybe there was, like, a way... Because the hands that he... Like, when he reaches through with his hands... I think that's a practical hand, isn't it? Is it? Okay. Maybe. I can't remember. Maybe I was just... That one was really convincing for some reason. Yeah, he goes in for a fist bump. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that kind of feeds into Stephen Yun's kind of delusions about... He can tame. Yeah. He can tame. He can tame. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think it says something else as well. That being... I think it's talking about exploitation. Okay. And the kinship in... The chimp is being used for the show mm. child actors are used oh yeah I think he saw a child actor and was like oh yeah we're the same basically yeah, yeah. that's what the fist bump was about but yeah it, that it also feeds into his like oh yeah nothing's gonna hurt me yeah. I can and then of course well, this is kind of what we mean about like this is a film film yeah it's kind of nice that you get like to watch like a not just a Jordan Peele film just to watch a film and be like oh I'm thinking about what that might mean yeah there's rather a lot rather than being told oh it's about this there's a lot I, I've got so it, yeah like I said it's a mishmash and these are what it's about. Mm. Spectacle, prurience, fame, exploitation. Yeah. Unrecognized black contribution to cinema. Mm-hmm. It's all in there. Yeah. As a result, it does lack the purity of some of, of, of his earlier films. Yeah. Where it's like, it's this idea, mm. you know. But that didn't detract from it for me. No. I prefer, I know I, probably you as well, we're the only people in the world that think Get Out is probably his worst film. Yeah. Is this better than Us for you? I'm inclined to say yes. I am inclined to agree. Oh, yeah. that you think this is the best one? Yeah. Okay. I think he's got better with each film. It's like... And everyone else disagrees. Yeah, it seems to have yeah, gone yeah. the other way for some people, yeah. which is strange for me. Uh, well, like, nope. I'd say it's like, it's a strange film. Yeah. But it's not strange in the same way that, like, everything everywhere all at once is strange. No. Where that's got, like, a wackiness to it. It's not quirky in that way. Yeah, and there's, it's just like, oh, this idea is so out there. Yeah. It's just kind of mad, and like, oh, it'd be interesting to see how they kind of play with it next. Yeah. Whereas with Nope... It's, it's unique. Yeah, it's, it's like... It's original. It's like the, the, the story it's telling and the events that are happening within that story are so specific... Yes. ...that it kind of lends it a plausibility almost. It's like, oh, this, yeah, this... The inflatable man and... Yeah, that. yeah, yeah, just like the way the 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 ship is kind of shown, and like Stephen Yun's relationship to it, and how that ties into his past, which seemingly is disconnected from everything, but it does have like relevance yes. later on. And 
there's all of this stuff that feels like like I'm looking at it going like I don't really know what I would take out yeah I, I think the salient point I've got here is it's original and it's a film yeah those are the central unlike these days those they are so rare yeah to, to have a treat like that like I said get out it's that you know it's that idea and it, there's a lot of, there's a lot of social commentary to it mm. us a little bit as well but it's a very clear idea of the yeah. underclass and this I think because it's a lot of different things going on mm. and it doesn't have that social consciousness conscience mm. in the way that other films do people have you know, down, okay, relegated it a little bit. It's probably but, like, oh, this isn't what I was expecting from Jordan Peele. Yeah. It's not what I was expecting from Jordan no. Peele, but I think that's why I've ended up liking it more. Well, I was expecting to be annoyed a bit at some point. Mm. That's what I expected, and yeah. I wasn't. Yeah, considering that, like, apart from the cinematographer, there's, like, no white men, really, in the cast. It's all, it's like, a no. complete, it's a completely diverse cast. Yeah, minority. But the film yeah. doesn't care about that. And no, the story well, isn't actually, about that. So Jesse Plemons was cast, and then he had to drop out. Okay. Because he was doing uh, the Scorsese film that's coming up. Yeah. It didn't say who he played. I'm guessing it was Stephen Ewan's role. Probably. In which case, isn't that great? Yeah. That him, him being Asian has absolutely no bearing. Yeah, absolutely. On, yeah. you know. He has a knack for creating distinctive images, doesn't he? Or Jordan Peele. <laughs> yeah, like I said, the fist bump it instills within, within Tube is his name, isn't it? Yeah. Tube's mind that all creatures can be tamed. The kinship of the exploited. The film crosses from a horror to a sci-fi thriller. Mm. And it, it's genuinely exciting. Yeah. Like, it's like, oh, yeah, I'm in, I'm in this, you know, that, the final act. I never, like, the horror aspects of it were never... I, no. I was never scared by that. I was never scared. And no. I never found it creepy. No. But I did have that kind of, like, once you sort of come to understand the creature and mm. what it is, because it's not a ship, spoiler, Yeah, it's a creature, it's a yeah. living thing that's hunting. Yes. And when you sort of understand, like, how it operates and how it can be, like, how they have to, what they have to do to, like, avoid it. Yeah. And sort of deal with it. I just, like, the dread of, like, being in that situation. I felt that. Yeah. Even though I wasn't scared, just, like, the idea of having to deal with that creature. It's like, oh, fuck, you know? And it was Spielbergian in that sense of, it's, you start off with the unknown. Mm. What is this thing? Jaws, Close Encounters. And then it becomes a sci-fi thriller. When you understand more what it is. Yeah. It's more action-oriented, and I really liked that. It was a throwback. Because, it's yeah, the film kind of knows, well, we understand the creature now. There's nothing scary about it anymore. Right, let's just figure like, out how to it. It's still, like, a formidable presence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But our relationship with it has changed now, and so the film's relationship with it should change too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I tell you what, it's a shame that Don't Look Up was taken as a title. Oh, yeah. What a perfect name yeah. for this film would have been. Nope is good. Yeah, obviously, it brings to mind, like, what you say in the cinema. Especially since the posters are literally characters looking up, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. And th- that, yeah, spoiler, the whole thing is, don't look at it. Yeah. If it makes eye contact with you, you're done for. Yeah. Don't look up would have been such a great time. Unlike in the paranoia of the film and the whole alien. And yeah. Another criticism of Don't Look Up. Fucking Adam McKay. It's the only film I know I that know. seems to be collecting criticism. <laughs> as it continues well, to exist. Well, the film didn't deserve it. No. Yeah, the absence of socio-political themes was refreshing. I like Daniel Kluya. I mean, he always is buttoned down in every role. Yeah. With the possible exception of um, his Judas and the Black Messiah. Who did he play in that? Fred Hampton. Okay. But I thought he was all right. Kiki Palmer. She was a bit much. Okay. So she plays it well. Yeah. But the, it was initially very annoying. Yeah. I grew to like her more, though, as the film. Yeah, I, I didn't... Yeah. I, like, the ending still worked. Yeah. Because, like, you have to like her for the ending to work. Yes. The ending still worked for me. But yeah, she was a, like, when I first saw her, I was like, right, I'm going to have to get used to that. Oh, uh, yeah, she was like, a, oh, no, this is really going to be an annoying film. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and then, no, as the stakes increase and 
No, yeah, I liked her. I liked him. I liked the guy, the VCR guy, you know, the hardware guy. <laughs> it's such like a weird like yeah. character to have in that film. Well, he was like, like a Tom Waits kind of like. Oh no, no, no! no I Tom meant Waits. the, I meant sorry, oh, right, I, sorry, I meant yeah. the hardware guy. Yeah, but I, hardware I also guy. liked him as well. Yeah, yeah, I like. No, him. no, yeah, like yeah, yeah. He's kind of like the weaselly, like he's the comic relief, comic sort of, relief, yeah, pathetic yeah. kind of guy. But he's still, he's not just that. No, he's not just that. Well, they were going to kill him. Mm. He died in the original draft and he okay. fought for his character not to die. Yeah. I think he said, I just feel the story isn't done. Yeah. So I really want... Okay. So it's fair enough. Um, yeah, and then you have the cinematographer which is just this weird, like... Yeah, yeah, it's the kind of... Yeah, yeah. The yeah, Tom Waits has this weird presence and, like, aura around him. Yeah. Like, yeah this okay. mystical, like, filmmaker and yeah. who has to get the perfect shot who then, spoiler sacrifices his life to get the perfect yeah. shot of him being pulled into the yeah which is like is great world camera. but also yeah. that camera's been destroyed oh now. yeah that shot but he got gone. it though he got it he got yeah. it though yeah. uh, that's kind of all I've got to say I mean I just really liked it mm. I liked it a lot yeah you got anything else I don't think so yeah um I, we, I, I don't delve into everything because it's one of those. No, no, no yeah, it, it's it's a film that should be watched. Yeah, um, it should be experienced. It should be experienced yeah. definitely, and it's not an experience I would want to deprive anybody of. Yeah, I did find the framing device of having like the chapters unnecessary. With, yeah, I agree. Because like I agree, it doesn't seem to follow. Initially, I just thought it was like, oh, we're kind of like because it's the names of the horses initially yeah it's like oh okay so this horse has been killed mm-hmm. or abducted or whatever is happening at that point in the film you don't know mm-hmm. and so we're kind of telling the story of this horse and then we're telling the story of this horse yeah. and like the film gets told through all of that yes then it sort of then it becomes the name of the monkey mm-hmm. and you flash back and it's like oh okay this is sort of breaking the form a little yeah. bit yeah then it becomes that's one of the shortest chapters in the film then it's another horse then it's the name that they give the creature yeah. So I don't really know what the chapters served. I think it was it was it was to highlight the theme of taming something, understanding a creature. Okay. It was him going, look, there's this theme, and I'm really wanting you to know that that's what I'm doing. Okay. Because like, yeah, Daniel Kaluuya comes to the revelation not to look at it. Yeah. Because you don't look in a horse's yeah. eye, right? And so his expertise at training animals is is what gives him the knowledge about the yeah. the creature. So I think it was just a way of going like, oh, let's put that front and centre. And when you start the film and it starts with the chapter title, it's instantly intriguing, isn't it? Like, ooh, okay. Yeah. What is this? Mm. So I think that's what it was. Okay. But a great opening. Yeah. The opening was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Of just that set. It's like, oh, I thought this was a film about aliens or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I would recommend Jordan Peele, if you're listening, which you're not. <laughs> um, more nope, less get out. That's what we want from mm. you. Listen to us, though. <laughs> Listen to us. Well, I think it's encouraging that he did get out and then he did nope. Rather than build up to his magnum opus. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. oh, maybe this is a direction he's more interested in. Well, maybe, going. I mean, Get Out was on the Writers Guild of America list of the 101 greatest screenplays of the 21st century so far. Mm. Get Out was number one. Oh, so fuck. maybe he's kind of thought, oh, I did that. I did my thesis. Yeah. Now I can just do films that entertain people. <laughs> yeah, that'd be nice. That would be nice. So keep doing that, Jordan Peele. I'd, I'd like Get Out, if that's what it means. Like, he made that, yeah. so he doesn't have to make that again. He doesn't ever have to do again. Yeah. I'm a black filmmaker. I did the black film. Yeah, now I can uh, just make films people like. Yes. Or don't like, it seems. Bit of a mixed reception. It's been well-received, generally speaking, but it's the weakest. Okay. Um, His films. But yeah, no, I just... I love films that are original. Yeah. 
and dealing with all these different things and not in a distracting or that doesn't work way. Like even the black contribution to cinema thing, I liked. I thought, yeah, that was a good... Oh, yeah, it fits in really nicely. That was good stuff. Like, was it their grandfather or great-grandfather yeah, or great, something? Yeah, great-great-great-grandfather. Yeah, 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 one of those. Great-great-grandfather. Yeah, he's like one of the earliest things on film. In the, the earliest thing on film. Basically, yeah. yeah it I might think, be... I it, think they said it's the first collection of moving images. Okay. And it's it's him on a horse. In in the real world, because it's a real thing. There's mm. a black guy on a horse. Yeah, yeah, that's... Um, yeah, every frame of painting, right? Is is that his, like... Oh, yeah, maybe. Uh, and Mesa Verde, I'm just thinking. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But no, yeah, that... Um, I've seen ten different this-is-the-first-footage-ever things. I don't know if there is a definitive Yeah, I one. think the train is, like, the first cinema yeah, experience the, the train I saw there's one of people in a garden there's one of people leaving a factory where they work mm. um, there's loads of them but yeah it's basically the first yeah the fact that he was their relative and they work with horses oh that's not, that's neat yeah it's like a watchman thing yeah that kind of, it's, it's um, taking something again it's something that's so specific oh they're like horse trainers yeah. for films but it's giving it like such a believable context yeah 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 and the fact his name is OJ yeah. You know, because it's about spectacle and yeah, we, yeah. we like watching things and we need to record everything. And yeah, really good. Really, really good. Highly recommended. I agree. Then that's it. Then that's it. Uh, thanks for listening. Yeah. It's been um, all right. It's been okay. Yeah. I, th- I think I became one. less tired. I hope I became less tired. Yes, I think. I think Ezra Miller breathed <laughs> some life into up a bit. Yeah. 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 Um, all right. Thank you for listening. And yeah. we will see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye.